My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. How you doing, Dan? You right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. You? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm going to enjoy today because it is episode 83 and seeing how this year's Rumble's take place in the Alamo Dome. Uh, should we go back 20 years and watch the Raw Rumble 1997, Dan? Let's go for it. Yeah, so let's have a look at the opening promo. For Shawn Michaels, it's always been about being champion. Sure, he was branded cocky, flamboyant, a brazen showman in his youth. But the heart of a champion was always there. And when he defeated Bret the Hitman Hart at WrestleMania 12, it was truly the consummation of a boyhood dream. But the true defining moment of Shawn Michaels' brilliant career may have been etched in defeat. Last November in Madison Square Garden, the dream was shattered at the hands of Psycho Sid. But for Shawn, that was of secondary concern. That night, the boy toy grew up, displaying compassion and humanity. He cared less for the title than for the welfare of his fallen mentor. Tonight, it's not about ego or accolades. There's more than just the championship at stake. Tonight, it's about justice, redemption, a rebirth of sorts. For tonight, San Antonio's favorite son returns home older, wiser, innocence lost. Tonight, the favorite son returns home a man. So, Dan, what did you think of the opening promo? Well, it was uh, an intense build-up. It should be a, a great event, you know, with all the big names, you know, new up-and-coming big names and big names from the past still around. It's, you know, it should be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, you talk about you've got Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid, Undertaker, Bret Hart, Steve Austin, and we're going to see the undercard as well. Uh, yeah, and it's all coming back home. And, you know, from that, the from being the heartbreak kid to being the man now, isn't it? So That's it, yeah. And, you know, you've got the brilliant announced team, Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler and JR. Yeah. So, you know, it's I think it's the best commentary team, probably one of the best lineups of wrestlers, you know, so... It, no, it should be an enjoyable event. Like I said, the Holy Trinity of commentators, and it is me and uh, Dan today on the, the WNL podcast. And we're, we're looking forward to having... And Dan, tell us a little bit about the Royal Rumble. Um, it's the 10th annual Royal Rumble professional wrestling pay-per-view event. Good. It was an attendance of 60,477, 60, which is the highest recorded in the world. Yeah. And like we say, like, with it being held there this year in 2017, it might be able to break the attendance. But to have that for a Royal Rumble, not WrestleMania, is a fantastic achievement, isn't it? It is, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and of course, you've got to remember, it took place on January 19th, 1997, from San Antonio, Texas, which, of course, is Shawn Michaels' hometown. And first match, Dan? The first match is Goldust against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. 
and this is focusing mainly around Marlena, and it is for the Intercontinental title as well. Yeah, we will see the Intercontinental title on the line tonight. Of course, the WF title, not the tag teams that that they won't be on the line. Bulldog and Lane were the champions, but they were they're in the Rumble, Rumble, so they yeah. weren't they weren't defending. But yeah, sorry, you were talking about the Goldust Triple H shoot, Dan. Uh, yeah, the the feud between Goldust and Triple H was centered around Marlena, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the CAD. He he's a bit like Lord Gideon. Yeah, very much, very <laughs> much. That Lord Gideon, the brilliant regal snob type, isn't it? You know, yeah. Uh, and yeah, well, he was. You know, I thought he was quite a good persona to introduce yourself on. Well, it, for being the Connecticut Blue Blood to be in the game now, it's quite a transformation, isn't it? But I it think, is. Yeah. I think the character of Hunt Hearst Helms, I think Triple H did quite well with it. You know, they had a few matches over. You know, the build-up weeks to Royal Rumble. Yeah, the feud escalated on the thirtieth of December, ninety-six. Fucking hell, that was some years ago. Uh, <laughs> an episode of Monday Night Raw during a match between Goldust and Jerry Lawler, and Helmsley came to the ring and tried to carry Marlena away. You talk about the, the problems that they have, and we see it now. They're showing, <laughs> showing the clip of Marlena being carried away, and like I said before, in your house uh, twelve as well, we're Helmsley Marlena and Goldust here. Showing a different side to him, we'll talk about that in a second. But look at that, just throwing Marlena into Goldust's arms. Nothing he can do. I mean, Mark Mero's been as well, you know. Yeah, he's had a bit of it. He was the one who dropped the Intercontinental title to Helmsley. And uh, he'd been involved. But the Intercontinental title will be online tonight with Goldust. And both men made their debut in 1995 this year. Of course, Goldust had wrestled before in WCW with his, with his dad, wasn't it? You yeah. Know? The natural one, Dustin Rhodes, and came over about the Goldust character before, haven't we, with the, yeah. the transformation that it took. Of course, Triple H well came through. We've seen his debut last year on the podcast, In Your House. Uh, you know, been very successful since then. So 22 years Goldust has been around, and he's been pretty much active throughout the entirety of it, in one way or another, You know, even up, in, up to now with the Golden Truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, he, he's still been involved. You know, so he was given a shit hand, but you know, he's definitely made it work. Uh, Cody Rhodes, unfortunately, you know, he had to go for a few different channels, and now he's the leader of the Bullet Club in Japan. Well, exactly. So you know, Cody's trying to get his career back on track, but Goldust has had a good one. And as we see early in the early going, coming out to the entranceway to attack Triple H, he's been very angry with him. We talk about the Raw before the Royal Rumble. It was um, the King, as we say, he's been involved in this as well, teaming up Triple H against Goldust and Mark May. And Triple H didn't want any of Goldust on the Raw and was dodging him. But Goldust showing a good intensity and a good anger, as we see the only going in this match as well, taking down Triple H. Triple H, though, I mean, we, we talk about him during this time period. Uh, in, in 1996, it wasn't all easy for him, was it, Dan? It wasn't, no. Um, well, it's been claimed that Triple H was scheduled to win the 1996 King of the Ring tournament. But the victory was instead awarded to Stone Cold Steve Austin, thus kick-starting the 316 era. So imagine if it was time to play the game era. Well, exactly. I mean, how different would it have been? It kind of, we, we saw the moment last year as well, if you go you know, on the podcast, uh, with Steve Austin. It was a moment in time that that broke through and you just imagine how with an instant backstage how it changes history in that way it's so yeah. weird isn't it you know yeah well do you know how it all how? it was when the click broke character you know the famous click members <clears throat> I'm sure you don't need to be explained who they are but 
they broke character after a match to say goodbye to the departing Hall and Nash, who were going to WCW to go and explode over there. Yeah. And despite the punishment, Helmsley did have success following the MSG incident, and Mr. Perfect became his manager, and he won the Intercontinental title for the first time in October. So, you know, he's he's not even had the title that long, and he defeated Mark Merrow, hence why he's involved in the storyline, and... You know, bringing gold dust and that into it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, during this time as well, we talked about our last week's episode with their kind of the trade, well, the, the WWE taking the talent of the WWE. They took Mr. Perfect, who was manager, and WWF just explained it. it was Hounsley turned his back on the guy that actually helped him in the end. Uh, so, you know, like I say, Triple H's gone through it. Of course, the click punished Shawn Michaels because he was at the time WF champion, you know. So yeah. it was definitely Triple H who took the brunt of that, but it was the bag carry of the click, as you say. But this match in the early going, Goldust is showing intensity, isn't he? He is showing a lot of intensity. I mean, it's mainly been all Goldust, and he's been using a tag team partner in the shape of some steel steps. Well, this is not no disqualification. I think Earl Hebner just allowing it because of the uh, the intensity in it, you know. Definitely, yeah. And you talk about all these, these wrestlers involved in this at Survivor Series, Mark Mero, Rocky Marvier, Jake the Snake and the Stalker defeated Crush, Jerry Law, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Goldust. And that was when Goldust was on the side, you know. And then yeah. it kind of with the Goldust, the, the, the way the angle going happened after that, didn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, Jerry Lawler got involved as he was, you know, in, in the Survivor Series match. And he called out Goldust and asked him if he was gay. <laughs> yeah. And Goldust just denied it and said he was just playing mind games with his opponent. Yeah, and weirdly enough, the fans got behind Goldust after this, and he, he actually is a very popular mid-carder. He, yeah, well, you know, he's, I'm sure you've seen quite a lot of his actions. He's been there throughout, you know, through all the eras. Um, he's had a, a good, fucking good run. Yeah, but it just seems a bit odd that, you know, the fans weren't sure about him and then as soon as he said he's not gay, they're like, yeah, come on! <laughs> yeah, we like you now, Goldust, uh, isn't it? But Mr. Hughes was Triple H's manager in this match. Yeah, Triple H was going through a period, like, like say, Mr. Perfect by his side and other people. Mr. Hughes here, yeah. Do you know anything about Mr. Hughes? Um, he'd go on to have a minor success in WWF and WCW. And then when Jericho made his debut in the WWF in 99 and Mr. Hughes was his manager and it lasted as long as him being the games. <laughs> yeah, no, not long at all. But Triple H would get it right in a, in a month's time or so. And of course, uh, China would come along and be his bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that really helped the Triple H character as well. You know, of course, being the slimy hill he was to have a hard, mus- hard muscle at ringside. They tried it with Mr. Hughes, like I say, just didn't really work. No, definitely not. Um, but in this match, though, looks like Triple H's just taken over, isn't it? Yeah, he's started to get the better of Goldust and he's taken it back to the outside. I mean, is it a way to start your career as Hunter Hurst Helmsley? I think it's a good way. You know, he come, he come in, he's been a bit undefeated streak, of course, up until the 96 thing. Yeah. But I think it's a character type. It's a character in wrestling we all know about, don't we? You know, there's always going to be a guy, he, even... In a way, like a JBL or Million Dollar Man cat was type of like a kind of snob who had money, you know, or Alberto Del Rio, you know. Yeah. So I think there's always a, a, a place for it in wrestling. I think Hunter played it well. Of course, he went on to have huge success, not like he did then when he tried to hit Goldust with a knee. Goldust moved and he went straight into the bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's bad, where yeah. his knee injury started, <laughs> there. You know, to the outside, Goldust always getting the better of Triple H when they're on the outside. But as far as, you know, character changes go, I mean, Goldust's appearance never really changed. I mean, his persona changed 
a little bit. He started going a bit unhinged, and you know, I think he was just moving with the times. Yeah, do you remember when Goldust got electrocuted and he had that? St- was it the stutter that he had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, oh yeah, Goldust has been there and done that. And to be in the Intercontinental Title picture, you go back to January of '96. He was facing Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Title as well, so he was always, you know, definitely in the upper mid card level. He went on to have feuds with, you know, or matches with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, all the top-level talent. Do we think Goldust at this time could have become WF champion? There was, I think, if any time in his career, this probably would have been one of the better times. Do you reckon he deserved at least one, you know, at least three months, four-month run of being champion? I don't, well, yeah, I think it would be an interesting thing to do, wouldn't it? You know, like a little bit of a surprise. Maybe if the money in the, you know, invented back in the day at this time, Goldust yeah. maybe been a guy that could have cashed it in and had it for a month or so, you know. But it's interesting to see what they've done with Goldust. And even Cody Rhodes have gone kind of similar with, when they get it right, like we saw with their tag matches against the Shield, you know, Goldust and, uh, will take very seriously, you know, and he, and he is a good wrestler as well. You can't forget just yeah. because of his makeup and stuff, he's good, you know, he's a good worker. Would you be able to take him seriously, say, if he went away for a few months? Say, you know, not this late in his career, but say, I don't know, mid to late 2000s. Even. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that era, do you reckon he could have gone away and come back as Dustin? I think there, there was a possibility there. You know? Dustin Reynolds? Uh, whatever. Dustin well, Reynolds. He, well, he changed yeah. his, he, he had a fallen out with Dusty, you know, and that's why he changed it to Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, and not Rose, even, you know, if that was Dusty's maiden name, but, you know, born birth name even. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of trouble there with Goldust, and I think the character, I think, would have worked. We saw it at WCW in his earlier days, you know, a lot that we've seen recently, it was that they were building him up towards to be a star, you know, and if he hadn't have fallen out of, with his dad, he probably would have been WCW champion, and God knows what would have happened with the, you know, the Goldust character probably never existed, so... Yeah. I think they, for him, he was good enough to actually, yeah, have a chance on, on top. Because it would have been good to see Goldust as the champion. You know, he could have had gold ropes for a little while. You <laughs> yeah, know, he yeah, could yeah. have taken it, yeah. Goldust with the gold and teaming up with Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. These two, at this point in time, we're in January 97 right now. You know, who would you have thought had gone on to be WF champion between these two? Goldust. He's definitely got a lot more potential. I mean, you know, he's majority of the match he's been going to town on Triple H. I don't see why Triple H has got a manager. He ain't exactly helping much. No, like you say, Triple H is <coughs> he's just getting beaten up by Goldust. Goldust, Goldust is getting his uh, revenge on Triple H and could become Intercontinental Champion. Good achievement. Yeah, he could have some sort of gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you win the gold tonight. But no, you know, as you mentioned, Goldust, brilliant wrestler. Yeah, but, yeah, you can't take anything away from him. I mean, you know, the way he incorporates his character into his wrestling style as well. Yeah, exactly. And he was one of those that it, it was a clever character at the time because it questioned a lot of things as well, didn't it? What people thought. Like we see with the reaction of what maybe he was gay, the negative reaction of the fans and the positive reaction now. And to be able to get into a wrestler's head, you know, when he was shooting with Ahmed Johnson and stuff, he was kissing him and, you know, <laughs> all yeah. this kind of thing. Not too sure about the blue meanie. No, that was angle. a that yeah Ryan Shamrock type thing that yeah. happened in yeah, but like I say, then he went away, went to WSW, and couldn't use the Goldust character, feuded a bit with Jeff Jarrett, had a little bit of success, and then of course like came back and managed just fit right back in, didn't he? You know, he yeah. was part like he'd never been away. It's amazing to think now, twenty years later, that 
And the guy on the outside of the Triple H is now the uh, the guy that basically runs, <laughs> runs Pretty the Pretty much, yeah. You know, he's... Out of every wrestler's career, would Triple H maybe be the one you'd pick? I think so, yeah. Because, you know, not even to me, less than 12 months ago, he was heavyweight champion. So, you know, for someone to be getting beaten the fuck out of by Goldust, yet 20 years from now, he's going to be heavyweight champion at this event. Has he given himself a great career, though, or does he deserve it? Let's just get controversial here. What, I what think do you he has. He does deserve it. He has worked his way through up. You know, he's. I'm sure I've heard somewhere that he made his intentions clear. He wants to be at the top of this. You know, he wants to be at the top of WWE. And I don't know. I don't <laughs> think it's all down to. If Triple H. Would he be as successful as he has been? No. <laughs> but he wouldn't have. I don't know. It's, it's a tough one to say because the game character did work. Yeah, it did, yeah. You can't take any of it away during the 99, like, 2000 period. He was at the best, don't get me wrong. But after that, when he kind of... But then of... you could argue, like, if he weren't part of the clique, would Shawn Michaels have had as much success as he had? You know, if... I, I think it's the other way. I think Shawn Michaels was a successful one, and he helped everybody else out, if you look at... Do you, you think know he's I mean? the one that made the clique relevant? Then? Yeah, Shawn Michaels, yeah, he was definitely the... the... Oh, he was the highest ranking officer in that. Yeah, yeah he he was the... He, he started all that, It'd you know. It'd go Michaels, Nash, Hall... One, two, three, kid. And X-Pac, then... and then... Yeah. <laughs> bad bad carrier, Triple H. Yeah. But and then about... <laughs> Triple H is at the top of WWE. He's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, how do you like that now? But Triple H in this match has finally taken over after having so much damage done to him, beating down with a knee as well. Yes, yeah, and well, he's still limping on his left leg but you know able to deliver a bit of punishment back to Goldust oh, he used the gold director's chair to hit Goldust in the back with that Marlena was enjoying that I mean what's your thoughts on Marlena Terry Reynolds we haven't really talked about uh, much what, what do you think of her as a, a diva slash wrestler <laughs> I think she's just more as a manageress than a diva because you know she she was with Goldust for a little while she was with Perry Saturn for a little while didn't really have many matches, you know, she had the odd bikini contest and ball gown match and, you know. Bra and panties matches. Bra and panties match. Wet but t-shirt competition. I wouldn't have said that. Gravy bowl matches. I'm not like uh, I've seen a lot of these. But. Weren't she in that dodgeball competition yeah, as well? Yeah, dodgeball well, yeah. I mean, she was, you know, she she had a look. Of, I mean, I like Terry. I mean, not as an in-ring person, but I think during the Attitude Era, apart from the abortion angle, of course. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah, but. Would you have classed her more as a manageress, though? Then? Yeah, she wasn't. I mean, I was, like I said, I've seen her in uh, matches against Trish, and she ain't no wrestler. But you know, yeah. she she had a usefulness. You know, was it like I say, very very uh, pretty. Let's not take anything away from her. Of course, against Sable, that's a bit unfortunate during this time. But <laughs> but Goldust, did he get back in it now? Starting to get back on after being cheered on by Marlena. But which, what women wrestlers were about at this time? Oh, and there weren't that many. The, the WF title, uh, the WF Women's title, had ceased to exist basically because uh, Alundra Blaze was the champion during '95, and then she got signed by WCW, took the title belt with her, threw it in the trash can. Vince McMahon said, "I'm not going to have a title, women's title again." And he didn't until November '98 when Sable, I think, won it, beating Jack- Jacqueline. So at this time, you had Sable, who was Mark Barrow's manager. You had Marlena, who was Goldust. China would come, like we say, next month. Yeah. But apart from that, like you say, it's sunny as well. It, it was, was all just manageresses manager, yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to wrestlers. And But Goldust now in the match is on the top. Oh, managing to keep his balance up top. But hit anything. 
Triple H getting out of the way and did Goldust manage to land on the title by some chance? No, Goldust just elbow dropped the canvas and now Hunter Hurst Helms has got the title belt. Marlena's up on the apron. And Mr. Hughes distracting the referee. Gives her a big kiss. <laughs> Hits Goldust with the title. Oh, did Marlena oh, like no. that? no. Missed. Goldust hitting Triple H with the title. Well, fair play, isn't it? It's not dirty. And now referee's going to count the three. Oh. No. <laughs> His manager managing to help him after distracting the referee so he could get hit with a title. Uh, finally proving a bit of use now. I don't know why the referee's not... Oh, he... They point disqualifies, disqualifying him. He's just going to lose his title, isn't he? Yeah. Goldust knocks down Mr. Hughes off the apron. Coming from behind. Oh, turns him inside out of a big clothesline. I mean, Triple H is wrestling. What do you think of it? Well, at this point in time, it's... Pedigree. Oh, there we go. And that's it. Bang. Good night, Goldust. Triple H retains the IC title, beating Goldust. But for its day, not a bad match, not a bad opening. No, I mean, it went on for a little while. They certainly told a story that they absolutely hated each other. Yeah. It was, it was, so, you know, it's a good 15-minute match, at least. Yeah. But told a story, didn't it? And, like, so Mr. Hughes paying dividends on the outside and making Triple H retain the title, as we see him uh, curtsy. Is it curtsy? No, it's not curtsy. What's it called? Bowing. Yeah. Bow. He's celebrating. But, you know, you see the kiss angle with... Marlena, I mean, her nipples got hard, so she must have got... <laughs> well, it doesn't look like this feud is over just yet. Like to say, Marlena... But was Marlena a distraction for Goldust in this match? Well, I don't know. She certainly distracted Triple H, but with Mr. Hughes there, I mean, he distracted the referee while Triple H got hit, but helped Triple H out. So it swings and roundabouts, really, I think. Yeah, but this feud isn't finished yet, and Goldust in the middle of the ring. But like I say, not a bad way to open up. The Royal Rumble, 1997. I believe it's 20 years ago now, Dan, eh? Backstage with Bret Hart. Well, of course, the Rumble later tonight, Dan, there are two big favourites. One of them, like say, backstage now, Bret the Hitman Hart. I mean, he, he's going for it tonight. And the other man is? <laughs> and the other one is, of course, Austin, James. Yes, Steve Austin and Bret Hart. They're the two big favourites going into this one. But Ooh, we are... Mankind. Yeah, Mankind's one of them. We're going to see a lot of guys tonight who will become even bigger stars. And Mankind's one of the favourites. We're going to see videos like that throughout. The next match down live from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. What is it? It is Farouk against Ahmed Johnson when Farouk was part of the Nation of Domination. Yeah, he was part of the Nation of Domination. And they're getting sung out live by PG-13 singing them out. We have seen in action in ECW in a tag team match, believe it or not. <laughs> but yeah, they are rapping their way out here with a couple of heavies. The nation of domination basically consisted at the moment of Farouk and Crush. There wasn't really anybody else. There were other guys, but you might recognise one or two of the big guys, but they were just heavies at the moment. They didn't have any characters. Not come empty-handed, is he? What about Farouk, though? I mean, Farouk had success in WCW and became their first African-American world champion, Dan, eh? Yep, and that's something that WWE hadn't done. No, they hadn't done at that point. But when, when did he make his debut in the... WWF. He made his debut in 1996, so he's only been around for about a year. On the 22nd of July 1996, Farouk Assad made his WWF debut by attacking Ahmed Johnson, the Intercontinental Champion. He claimed that he attacked Johnson because he, Johnson was not from the streets, as Farouk claimed to be. Farouk was dressed like a black Spartacus, and soon after the attack, Johnson was diagnosed with legitimate kidney problems. So the WWF had claimed that 
Farouk's attackers hospitalised Johnson. And when you say a black Spartacus, literally he had like his big blue helmet on with the fucking gladiator type yeah. role. I couldn't believe... Uh, he, he must have gone to the office Vince Matt saying, God damn, I got this gimmick for your kid. And Fruit's just like, you know, first African-American world champion was like, oh yeah, cheers for that. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that, yeah. Farouk's going up against Ahmed Johnson. I guess, you know, this is his return match against trying to get a bit of retribution against... Farouk, Gold Dust and Triple H, they both debuted in 95. Ahmed Johnson debuted in 95. And then Farouk, you know, six months later, halfway through 2096, he joined. So, you know, it's... You'll, you'll see you'll see a lot of that tonight. And that is partly because, like we say, what we talked about in the WWW thing, is the fact is that all the WF talent that there was, 93, 94, 95, were basically taken to WCW. And then the mid-cards came across. They had to build new characters. You know, you couldn't just repackage Bulldog or just use Bret Hart's or Michaels all the time. You had to bring new guys in. So they did take a chance. You know, for any Amber Johnson that didn't really make it, you did have a, you know, Rocky Maivia that came through, a Hunter Hearst, you know, even Goldust, people that they had to put faith in the younger talent. We're so gonna... you're saying it was a bit of a blessing in disguise, so to speak. You know, it's yeah. it may have been what WCW thought was for the best, but it forced WWF to... Think outside the box, get all this new talent in from elsewhere and, you know, develop some completely new characters and turn wrestling on its head from this point. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, and definitely Amma Johnson came in. He was like the Bobby Lashley of his time as well, you know. He, yeah, like I said, Amma Johnson was out four months with the injury, with the kidney problems that they said Farouk had done. And when Johnson did return to WFTV, he interfered in several matches involving Farouk and the Nation of Domination, really. He tackled by a 2 4 which led to this angle. Uh, where Johnson was suspended for the attacks, came back before he was fully fit. Sorry. Yeah, and the injury forced him to vacate the IC title, which was subsequently won by Mark Merrow, who was defeated by Triple H. Uh, yeah, by Triple H, who defended it against Goldust in the match before. Yeah, and by December, Johnson's injury had to, allowed him to resume wrestling, and this is his first match back, like we say, night seven. Very popular guy. But talk about his intercontinental title run. You say Farouk was the first African-American uh, world champion WCW. Dan, with Amma Johnson. He was the first African-American intercontinental title. So, you know, they're both African-American African American pioneers. Yeah, exactly. And uh, everybody thought it was only a matter of time before he climbed to the main event status, didn't he? Yeah, and he was soon paired on screen with Shawn Michaels, actually, in a few tag team matches and often helped Michaels against... Jim Cornette and his men, known as Camp Cornette. Angle between Goldust and Triple H in the early going. Ahmed Johnson just come running out here and straight away attacking Farouk. Ahmed Johnson has come out here and Farouk, I don't think he knows what's him, does he? He doesn't, no. I mean, he's being an absolute tank of a man, Ahmed Johnson. And, you know, he's got a load of heavies with him, but they're no use to him. But Ahmed Johnson, very impressive looking, isn't he? You know, he's got credit. Well, he's, you know, I'd say he's a very, very early day. Lashley, Apollo Crews, you know, the big, bald African-American fellas, you know, which are complete dominating forces, but they smile as they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. And and if it wasn't for injuries, like you say, you can always see the, the braces he's wearing on Amber Johnson's leg. When I first got WF Warzone on the PlayStation, I thought he was wearing trunks, uh, wearing trousers <laughs> because of the amount of like bandages and stuff <laughs> that he had over time. That's not me really being racist, I'm sure. And we see Amber Johnson ripping off uh, Farouk's bottoms. But Farouk's had a hell of a career, hasn't he, Dan? He has, yeah. Left the nation after quite a bit of success. I mean, you know, certainly boosting the career of rock. Yeah, most definitely, yeah. Um, 
teamed with Bradshaw to become APA, had a brilliant run with them and, you know, still often appears on telly saying, damn! <laughs> yeah, but he, it was a great tag team, the APA and the Acolytes as they were. Definitely, yeah. But do you think Farouk a single start or do you think he was too old at this point, could have gone on and maybe had a bit more success or do you think he was overshadowed? At this point? Yeah. I've, I think he was a bit characterless, hence why he had to be surrounded by lots of men or with another partner you know like with Bradshaw Bradshaw's a brilliant talker and he's a big talker it's normally him doing all the talking yeah, as yeah, with yeah. the nation as well you know he wouldn't be saying too much it'd be shared between a few other members yeah well the nation definitely grew you know it's like it's fruit and crush at the moment but they would add you know Godfather D'Lo Brown Mark Henry The Rock as well so a very you know a lot of talent that would stay with the WF for a long I time Pretty much everyone apart from Farouk became heavyweight champion. D-Lo. D-Lo, but you better recognise you should have done. Because, <laughs> you know, you better recognise. He had a good IC title run, though. He did, yeah. And he was one of the greatest European champions of all time and as Euro- well. So European champion. you got to credit D-Lo Brown there. But there was, look at that, though. Just getting run into having <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> Who would have thunk it, eh? <laughs> Who would have planned that, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, D-Lo at ringside, not part of the... Uh, na- well, he's part of the nation, but not yet in ring. And Amber Johnson, the early going, was whipping Farouk with that bell, just whipping him. I mean, after all the injury problems and stuff. But now on the outside, it looks like Farouk using D'Lo Brown's shield. Oh! oh but he gets backdropped onto a chair that was set up and not the comfortable part of it either. Well, especially with the kidney problems Amber Johnson's had, isn't it, you know? Definitely, yeah. And, you know, Farouk was the one who caused them in the first place and again a chair shot and I don't think this is a no DQ match but I think the referee's just letting it go tonight we're in Texas everything's a little bit bigger in Texas isn't it but you know it's good to have matches that actually have a little bit of meaning you know the feuds behind them we've seen at least two matches it's all interconnected isn't it you know it's better than just having two guys thrown together isn't it definitely yeah you know it's as opposed to previous pay-per-views I mean we've commented that They've had a really mismatched card, you know. They've had a good wrestler going against someone who's completely awful on a just basically no backstory or anything. But I think, you know, now they're a team and they're starting to develop better stories and telling better stories, you know. Yeah. The first match definitely told a story that there was a lot of hatred between the two. Again, with this one, you know, Farouk making a statement, coming out with a load of men around the ring and Ahmed Johnson being the typical baby face, coming out alone, facing it all, you know, so... They're starting to recognise. Yeah, exactly. And the fruit complete take. Like like say, Emma Johnson started off the match really strong control, but that's at ringside. But the nation, do they rank up there one of the greatest stables of all time, Dan? As far as involved, yeah. You know, because aside from comedy pairings, Mankind or, you know, Mick Foley, the Rock and Sock connection, you know, it was a stable that involved the Rock. You know, so it, the Rock, to the nation was what what Triple H is to DX, you know. Yeah, remember. And, and if you look, at it, it happened at the same time, you know. In, in '98, Rock took over. He went from Rocky Maivia, the kind of blue chipper babyface, to having an attitude with the nation taking over from Fruit because he he made it cool as well. Triple H taking over Shawn Michaels, bringing DX forward. The nation DX feud, even though you had the NWO and Wolfpack and stuff like '98. The Nation DX was still a cool feud, still one I remember today. And the way they continued it, Triple H Rock went from feuding with their, their groups, as it were, to then feuding for the Intercontinental title, feuding for the WF title, and moving on there as well. So I think the Nation do deserve a little bit of credit. I mean, obviously, they're not going to be the top five, you know, but I think there's, there's credit there, especially other people that have been involved. 
And, you know, for, from what the members have gone on to win. But, no, we talk about Amma Johnson, though. Talk about Amma Johnson. You would definitely think at this point in time he would become WF champion in his career, wouldn't definitely, you? Definitely, yeah. For Amma Johnson. So the, the amount of injuries kind of caught up with him as well. He joined the nation, fell out of favour of the nation, and in early 98, kind of lost his way and was released by the WWF. So what happened in his career then, Dan? In late 99... He was known as Norris. He signed a contract with WCW and debuted at Sold Out as a heel. He gained massive amounts of weight at this time and he was aptly named Big T. He interfered in a match between Harlem Heat tag team partners and real-life brothers Booker T and Stevie Ray. He attacked Booker, causing Ray to be disqualified. And Big T and Stevie formed the tag team Harlem Heat 2000. Which is on our list of greatest tag teams all time. <laughs> and at Super Brawl, he defeated Booker to earn the rights to the Harlem Heat name. And at Censored, he and Stevie lost to Booker T and Billy Kidman. At Spring Stampede, they participated in a five-team tag team tournament for the vacant World Tag Team Championships, where they lost to the eventual winners of who, James? Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell in the semi-finals of the tournament. And basically, shortly after that, he was released by WCW shortly afterwards due to ongoing weight issues. And he's not been featured, I don't think, in any WWE game or Hall of Fame or really clips or anything like that, is he, Emma Johnson? No. No, so um, it's a bit of a shame what happened to him. But let's go back to the match now as we see Farouk wearing down Amber Johnson. Yep, and the numbers game is certainly starting to take its toll on Johnson. But he's a big Johnson, so I think, you know, he could come back into this match. Farouk maybe getting overconfident with Amber Johnson. Oh, starting to pick Farouk up in an, an electric chair. Oh, Farouk saying, no help. Drops Farouk from a massive height. God. And the leader of the nation looks in trouble. He does. Can Amber Johnson get back into this? There's too much being taken out of him. Of course, his first match back since his injuries. What's Fruit doing now? Going to the top. Former gridiron great. Oh, oh, going for a shoulder tackle, but turned into a power slam by Johnson. And now Ahmed Billy hit his finisher, the Pearl River Plunge. Irish whips him. Oh! But gets caught in a spine buster by Farouk. And Farouk's spine busters are legendary for hurting the shit out of you, basically. <laughs> well, you know, former gridiron great. He knows how to take a man down and how to hurt him. And his route just like that turned to momentum again. Amber Johnson looked like he's come back into it, didn't he? Down a bit, showboating and pandering to the crowd. He looks really young there, doesn't he? Yeah, Fruit looks weird without moustache, doesn't he? Have you noticed that? Yeah. yeah. And Johnson has managed to recover. Farouk's just found out. Irish whipped. Oh. Spinebuster of his own for Amber Johnson. Pearl River plunge time, but no, Crush comes in to try and help his brother. Uh, still out of crush. Here comes D-Lo. Oh, no. Here comes another generic guy. Here comes one of the PG-13 guys. And, and Johnson now... clears the ring from one of the PG-13 guys. He's got one of the little punks up. Gorilla presses. Oh. Throws him outside and takes out another three members of the nation. But referee calling for the bell. I think Amma Johnson wins thanks to disqualification. And that is game over. <laughs> Look at Amma Johnson. He's going after Fruit. Fruit thinks he's going to get out of it, does he? Oh, he gets jumped from behind, but... Manages to catch Farouk. Well, Crush is taking Farouk away to safety, man, but I think that <laughs> might be a problem for that nation member. Trying to attack Emma Johnson. It could be hell to pay here, Dan. There is. Uh, I think he wants to get a bit of retribution following the attack, and Johnson's backing him into a corner. Oh, my. Groves in him into the stairs, and now he's got the stair set up next to the Canadian announce table. Someone's going to get hurt. Well, they are. Emma Johnson's setting them up. 
Oh, my word. Crowd are absolutely loving this. Amber Johnson was popular in his time as well. Credit to him. He's got him up now. Oh, oh River plunge and he gets monitors strewn all over the place. And that was the last time we ever saw that Nation of Domination member. Well, there we go, Dan. I mean, what do you think of the match? Again, you know, it's certainly told a story. They had a bit of time to tell the story. It wasn't over immediately. There wasn't too much outside interference until Johnson started getting the other hand, which is a good way to introduce it. You know, it was kept relatively clean until that point. I think the referee let a little bit too much go. Yeah, most definitely, yeah. But, you know, again, for match quality, it was was good for its time. Exactly. I mean, Amit Johnson, they, they... did him right, didn't they? He looked like a strong babe face, like you say. Did nothing wrong. You know, disqualification finish. You expect the feud to continue between these two men as well. You know, the hatred involved. Again, it was another proper feud because Johnson had returned from injury after being injured by... Well, he wasn't injured by Farouk, but they played it off as yeah. that injury, which is a good way to do it. And, you know, he managed to get a bit of retribution. It still leaves this rivalry open a bit as well. So, you know... Watch this space with these matches. Exactly, and not a bad way to start the Royal Rumble as well. Two matches in already, and, and not a bad start. We see another promo backstage, and Terry Funk talk about he's in Texas, his hometown. He's going to be one of the favourites going in tonight. And then backstage, Todd Pettengill talking to Farouk, saying this is not over yet. Amber Johnson is going to be even worse later in the Rumble because he's in there. So is Crush and Amber Johnson. And the next match, Dan? The next match is Vader versus The Undertaker. And again, another relatively new guy, Vader. He only made his debut the f- previous year. Undertaker, he's still relatively young, early on in his career. You know, he's still a dominating force and he's still the phenom, but, you know, he's... Yeah, I mean, like I say, Undertaker's been in six years now, one of the longest-serving WF wrestlers at this point in time now. But again, only six years into his WF ten- tenure. Uh, the build-up for this match, though, Dan? There wasn't... Much of a build-up. I mean, Vader was part of other Hill wrestlers who joined together to attack The Undertaker, but The Undertaker had mainly been involved in a feud with Paul Bearer. They were back to SummerSlam from the year before, so, you know, a six-month feud back with his former manager. And, yeah, you know, on January the 5th episode of WWF Superstars, Undertaker attacked Vader's manager, Jim Cornette, leaving Vader without a manager. So, you know, it was a bit of a le- level playing field between the two. Yeah, both managerless as they come into it. And like I say, Untaker had hit a bit of a brick wall in the WRF uh, since turning face in 92. The WF appeared with a very big man and son. I mean, we've seen it with King Kong Bundy, Giant Gonzalez, other guys like that as well, haven't we? And only really Mankind applied in excitement since uh, Mankind debuted in 96. Another guy who come around at this point in time. But he had faced uh, Untaker four times in pay-per-views, on pay-per-views between June and November. And like I say, with Paul Bearer turning his back on a dead man, side with Mankind in the feud, it's kind of run its point. And the Undertaker, it's like, like I say, didn't really know where to go. Like, even with his costume and stuff, he, he just moved out of his, you know, his grey and purple attire as he was. Still wasn't sure where he was going, you know? Still keeping the demonic persona, but, you know, maybe just a little bit more life to him. Yeah, and this was a difficult thing this was a difficult thing as well, you know, moving on from the gimmick of, um, you know, being a dead man at the time. All the popular guys were guys with real names. You know, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, over in WCW had Kevin Nash and Scott all came across. The Undertaker wasn't sure they kind of gimmicky cats weren't really existed anymore. Uh, what could the Undertaker do? Don't get me wrong. I still like the Undertaker during this time. It was just, he, you know, it was... A- he had to adapt to survive, basically. You know, he was 
What do you think it would have been like for him if, say, WCW had snatched him up during the uh, the demolition? I know they had a brief run with Undertaker before. We've seen, like, you know, yeah, on this exactly, on yeah. a previous podcast about on his early career. But you know, if they'd have taken him when he was the Undertaker, would it have been different? Well, this is the thing, though, because he wouldn't be able to be the Undertaker. And would that have taken away? Would Mark Calloway had a success? in WSW, or was it the Undertaker gimmick that actually helped him, you know? I think it was a bit of 50-50, to be honest. You know, the man made the gimmick, but the gimmick also made the man. Yeah, it would been interesting, because, you know, going over to WSW, as like Mark Calloway coming in, not the big boss man, do you know what I mean? And they called him, saying, instead of the Undertaker, they called him, like, you know, the undead man. And he came out, or would they go a different way? And he'd be the like overgiver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, or would they try like an American badass thing? You know, it's crazy to think. They yeah. could have run with the American badass. I mean, Texan, get out of my yard. It's a different. Yeah. Yeah, three or four years until he became, you know, the American badass. So, Young Taker character would run its course in this period, but of course, came back and now he's treated with such love for him that we accept, you know, that, yeah, it is a dead man coming out because he is the Undertaker now, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Had the Undertaker won a heavyweight championship up to this point? Uh, the Undertaker had done had only won once though, and that was beating Hogan at Survivor Series oh, 1991. Yeah, yeah. And like we say, he'd been paired just against a big man really, and, and not much has changed apart from Mankind. You know, being teamed with Vader here, but of course, in a couple of months' time, Undertaker would go on to become WWF champion again. I would say '97 it was an interesting year for the Dead Man. And with Vader, what do we really know about Vader, Dan? Um, he was a former WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling World Champ and of one of the best big men in wrestling. I mean, you know, we've seen bits of him here and there. What do you, what do you think of him? Do you think he was a good wrestler? Yeah, most definitely. During that time in WCW in Japan, he was a monster. You know, matches against Stan Hansen and the people like that. He was a killer. And even in WCW, treated as world champion. He had a couple of pro- problems with Hogan. But if you watch his matches against Cactus Jack or Ric Flair, it, Vader is, is great. But when he came over to the WF low, it was a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, do you, do you think he was automatically tipped to be a heavyweight champion? Well, yeah, I think he was. You know, at that time, he's still quite a big name, had been world champion WSW, come across to WF. I think there was a chance that he could have been champion, but like I said, they booked him as a monster early on, attacking Gorilla Monsoon. He'd only debuted at the Royal Rumble 96. He attacked the then president Gorilla Monsoon, got suspended. That's because he had a knee injury and he couldn't wrestle anyway for a couple of months, so he had to take time off. I was like, booked against Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam, and when you lose to Shawn Michaels, it's not—it's just a size, do you know what I mean? Once you do that, then you can't really be taken seriously. But they, they did try again with Vader, like I say, being paired against the Undertaker. He did have matches against big wrestlers in WWF. It just it never felt right. You know, I don't know if they knew what to do with Vader. I think we use Vader as like a... Brock Lesnar type character, do you know what I mean? He should have been, yeah, you know, a very early Brock Lesnar type wrestler. If it wasn't for Vader being Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar wouldn't have probably been as Brock Lesnar-y <laughs> yeah. as Brock Lesnar could have been. But Vader, with his offence, he is, you know, the clubbing right hands, the clotheslines, he always likes to be stiff as well. I'm He's sure. quite an agile fella as well, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, Vader's definitely Hall of Fame worthy, isn't he, you know? Yeah, definitely. But at the moment, Undertaker there, reversing Vader's onslaught with a leg head. Not so the Undertaker's gear as well. It's not his best at the moment, is it, really? No, I don't think, you know, he's he's in the main picture at the moment. You know, they're just keeping him on a on a back burner, shall we say. You know, his mania streak's still intact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, they're not taking everything away from him. You know, I'm sure everyone's had a quiet phase in their career and Undertaker didn't start off quiet. So, you know, he's having it a few years in for, what, four or five years now. So, yeah, you know, it's about time it's going to start to come to an end. And as you see in the next few years, he... He does start to improve. Yeah, well, and and the story improves as well, doesn't it? Because we know '97, like Kane finally comes along in October that year. You know, the Paul Bearer feud that he had with Undertaker kind of develops into that, and then saying, you know, in '98 he starts to take it seriously again. Exactly. But it's that like that satanic Undertaker as well that there is as old school and he's walking the ropes and look at the agility of the Undertaker as well. Oh, but uh, Vader pulls the Undertaker off, crutching him on the top rope, and both men are down and a bit worse for wear. They are, and it's been a been a slugfest early on, isn't it? That would be a polite way to say it. That's it, exactly, yeah. I mean, two big, heavy-hitting guys. Um, yeah, you know, the Mastodon and the Dead Man. Yeah, and the old Undertaker, you know, like you say, becoming more human now, being worn down a lot. Used to be able to sit up with ease, didn't he? And now Vader looks like he is dishing out some punishment. But the Undertaker is back to his feet, though. Of course, in his hometown of Texas, even though at the moment he's still from Death Valley, so... Oh, but a low blow and the referee completely missed that. And that's to add insult to injury. I mean, crutching him on the top rope and then low blowing him. Uh, I think Vader's got a strategy and I think... Yeah, I'm not sure what kind of finisher involves a kick to the balls, but I'll be interested to see what it comes up with. Exactly, and uh, we see Todd Beckingill and the crowd talking to a couple of fans, it would be a competition winner or a country western singer, you know, what Dildo were like at this time. But you see Vader, look at the four, look at the punches. He's not holding back, is he, really? The way he... <laughs> but again, who would you see more likely to go on to win a heavyweight championship? Men would have potential. I think with Vader, like I say, you need to book him a dominant champion. You could see him as that, you know, where Psycho Sid... The original plan was for Vader to win the title and not Psycho Sid, but because Psycho Sid was a friend of Shawn Michaels, he got the opportunity there. It, it should have been Vader there, and I think Vader would have been good foil to someone like Bret Hart, you know, beating him up in a title match as well, you know, as a, as a champion, as Vader did WCW. And with Undertaker, again, I think with the right gimmick as you were, you would expect him to be champion. You'd expect these two to have quite an illustrious career going forward. Definitely, but, you know, not knowing what we know now... Would you seen it of going? Would you seen it going the way it went? What the Undertaker being? With, well, more specifically, the Undertaker. Not being twenty six years, being twenty more years into it. Uh, I I don't think you could foresee it really, could you? I don't think there's anybody. Not only that, been... I mean, like it's introducing the Kane character, but the Undertaker Kane wouldn't have been as much of a success as he was. Yeah. Um, you know, and involving it in the Undertaker story with a storyline, it's. I think it brings a bit more credibility to Kane on that factor. Yeah, and they had a yeah. brilliant rivalry. <clears throat> and, you know, the just the way things went for him. Yeah. No, I, I, he's faced everyone who's done everything. You know, that's why he's our number one for. That's that's what he is. And I don't think anybody could have seen he'd become, you know, like I say, even changing the gimmick, coming back as young taker. You could think that the American Wildlife would have been the last thing he'd done. And then he got away after that, you know. And yet he come back and still had years left. No, he comes out every year still. It's... Would you rather have seen him lose the streak as the American Badass? Uh, yeah, I think that would have been a little bit better. But then that would have been the end of The Undertaker. The streak has kept him going for the Do past Do you not think years. like him losing it as the American Badass and then having a couple more WrestleMania matches as the dead man, like, you know, being 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's definitely like coming back as dead man to get revenge on the guy that did that. I mean, to break the streak anyway, I think something that I still don't think they should have done. You know, <laughs> even even now, but it, it, you, no one could have predicted it. You know, and especially with even someone like Vader didn't have much more success. You know, like say in WWF, he ended up wrestling Mark Henry in pay per views in '98. Yeah. After that. Nothing, you know. He's he's made a couple of appearances since then, but he's been very loud on Twitter recently, you know. Yeah, Hall of Fame worthy. Well, I I think he is, but he, he had a problem with the Will Ospreay Ricochet match, and he said, you know, oh, it's just two guys, uh, high spots all the time, and it ended up being Will Ospreay versus Vader, which Vader won. But again, it's comments like that that you think, oh, come on, Vader, you know, I know you're an old timer. He's now suffered out of a car accident, and he said that he hasn't got long left. But those Hall of Fame wise, I think he deserves it, but. When he dies. Well, exactly. I mean, his speech at the Hall of Fame, with old wrestlers is, you don't know how much they big themselves up. It's like Ric Flair, isn't it? You know, it's guys like that who... Ric Flair is Ric Flair's number one fan. But Vader in this match has completely taken over the Undertaker. He's been off the middle rope a couple of times with big clotheslines on the Undertaker. Third time lucky. Oh! Undertaker catches him with a lovely like, power slam. Takes Vader down. Well, Dead Man finally gets some separation from Vader. And Vader has been quite dominant in this match. But Dead Man back up. No urn to help him now. Oh, and Undertaker ducking and gets caught in Vader. Oh, Vader bomb. Oh. Undertaker kicking out and sitting up. Oh, my gosh. He's sat up. I can't believe it. <laughs> and the big lefts and rights from the Undertaker. He's unloading on Vader. Now, what time? It's Undertaker time. Ducking a big right hand for Vader. Oh, and the clothesline. This, was it really this early into his career that he stopped doing the complete flip over? <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. It, that didn't last long. Undertaker's knees were bagged. Like I say, jumping clothesline there and Vader. Now he's going to try and hit old school. Can he get it second time? He's hoping Vader won't pull him off this time. Undertaker. <laughs> oh, successful. Right down on Vader's head. And the crowd now looking towards the entranceway. What's this, Dan? Paul Bearer. Oh, yes. Undertaker, you rise <laughs> for me. And Undertaker's got Vader in a choke slam. Oh, big choke slam for the Undertaker. And this could be it. He's signalling for the end. But does he see Paul Bearer behind him with the urn? He's noticed him now, and Vader's up. Oh. Gets eliminated from the Royal Rumble a bit early. <laughs> Undertaker chucking Vader out, but referee's distracted, is he? What's Paul Bearer doing? And Undertaker eliminating himself from the rumble and takes out Bearer. Oh, big right hand. Bearer's down. Undertaker just standing over Paul Bearer. Now, like we say, Paul Bearer turned his back on the Undertaker. Now he's going to pay. He's going to pay. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bearer was big at this point. He was very, very big. And he's the... scampering away on all fours. <laughs> A lot of managers, though, as well, wasn't they? You know, we've seen a lot Definitely, tonight. Yeah. Paul Bearer. Begging for forgiveness from The Undertaker, but The Undertaker's moved. No mood. Out. Oh, but Vader's creeped in now. Undertaker trying to take Vader and Bearer out. Oh, my God. Undertaker closed eyes Vader. The both men go to the outside, and it's all gone hell here. Well, the main event for Monday Night Raw just gone was Crush versus The Undertaker, and that broke down all sorts of shit with the nation coming out. And attacking the Undertaker with Vader's help as well. And we see this turn into a brawl here. It's been quite... Everybody's been brawling Every, all around yeah. tonight. Yeah. The referee seems to let a lot go as well. <laughs> They're a bit more lenient. Yeah. Undertaker setting the steps up now. What's he going to do? Undertaker now going to leap towards Vader. Oh, 
wall, but Bearer pulls him out of the way. And Untaker's across the steel barrier there. Oh, he must have broken ribs. And Paul Bearer's helping Vader. Oh, and Paul Bearer off the apron with the urn on the back of the Untaker's head. Fuck me, getting some air for a big guy. <laughs> Bearer fell, and like a big man does, couldn't really get himself up again. That was CM Punk-esque. <laughs> well, Untaker right in the back of his head. And Paul Bearer's happy about that. Kissing the urn. That made Undertaker see stars. But the Undertaker's still tough. Rolls himself into the ring. But it's that mistake, Dan. Undertaker, he don't he don't give up, though. No, Vader now second right. Vader bomb. Oh! And that's it. Vader pins oh. the Undertaker. <laughs> right. Surprise, Dan? Very, yes. And, you know, Bearer there getting involved, escorting his new client out. I mean, what is Vader a... Paul Bearer guy. Now, yeah, teaming up with Mankind as well, the former tag team, rest of 97. But Vader gets a victory over the Rumble, but didn't really help the Vader character because of the way it happened. It's kind of weird finish, wasn't it? It definitely did, yeah. I think The Undertaker's definitely going to be looking for retribution against Vader and certainly Paul Bearer. Yeah, and The Undertaker will be in the Royal Rumble later as well. But he's not happy. <laughs> the dead man is not happy with what happened. And he's talking to the referee Chad Patton and saying... What happened? Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer. Get out. Oh. oh. Too late. <laughs> He's got you. Someone's going for a ride. Ooh. That man's pattern. There we go. Choke slam to referee. And Antaker's not happy. A lot of angry people here tonight at the Royal Rumble. And the Royal Rumble fast approaching. I mean, he's taking his frustrations out on a metal chair and the ring post. Oh. And right. a table. The but... ring, ring bell went. Yeah. Oh. Looking at Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. You will rest in peace. Undertaker there, very pissed off at the Royal Rumble with well, a bit of vengeance. And normally for, well, recently for build-ups to the Royal Rumble, there's only like two or three matches and then it is the Rumble. Now we've had like three, four matches. Three, three matches. We've got another one. one coming up. So, you know, it's... And we've still got the main event as well after the Royal Rumble, so... You know, the main event is called Shawn Michael, Psycho Sid for the WF title. We've got the Rumble. But before that, we've got, because we are in Texas and we are so close to Mexico here, uh, we're going to have some guys come over from AAA. Before we go into more detailed stuff like this, we've seen in WCW, you had the Cruiserweights, didn't they? You had Mysterio and Juventud Guerrero and people like this. Uh, Vincent Mann thought maybe it would be a good idea if he could get some more over and come across. Before we get onto that match, we see backstage more promos for the Rumble. Austin says, Take your camera and stick it, sir. Goddamn kid. We see Stone Cold Steve Austin come through. Doesn't want to talk to anybody. And British Bulldog, of course. Came so close in 1995, didn't he, Dan? Yes, definitely. And, you know, Michael skinning the cat, making his way back in and eliminating the Bulldog. And Bulldog, big up to him wearing double denim. Yeah, fair, but not many people can pull it off, can they? Not many people can, yeah. but... The Bulldog certainly does. He does. At the next match, and uh, Vince Man thought it would be a good idea to get all the uh, Mexicans to come across and try and add a bit of variety to it. Unfortunately, like, I don't know if these are the right ones. We're going to talk about it now. So, yeah, like we are saying, so we're going to talk a little bit about these uh, Mexican wrestlers, which is Arza, Perro Aguero, and Kinect versus Jerry Estrada, Heavy Metal, and Fura Guerrera. Um, Dan, tell us a bit about each man involved, then. We'll, we'll take turns in talking about them. Um, well, we'll start on a low note, but on October the 15th, 2012, a press release 
revealed that Garza had been diagnosed with lung cancer. He retired from active competition to undergo chemotherapy and additional treatment. And unfortunately, Garza died on May the 26th, 2013. And he was the reigning Mexican national heavyweight champion when he died. Yeah, and uh, the black and white trunks and starting the match off. We see him there. Quite a young looking guy at this point in time. Uh, do you think he's got potential in his look as we see him there? Uh, yeah, definitely. He's quite a big fella. Uh, all these guys are quite big fellas, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Mexican wrestling, and it's not really the kind of thing you had in mind, really, was it, you know? No, I was thinking race style, <laughs> but... All right, so the next man, then, uh, Pedro Aguero, he's the uh, legend in old black trunks there. You see him there, kind of got the cowboy boots as well on, hasn't he, you know? Yeah. Uh, teaming up with Connect uh, as well. He's better known as, uh, fuck me, Pero Aguero. And uh, he was famous uh, Mexican wrestler through the 70s to the 90s, Dan. His son also wrestled uh, as Pero Aguero Jr. Uh, he's one of the biggest box office attractions in Lucha Libre history and was the last major rival of El Santo. El Santo, a legendary Mexican wrestler who uh, obviously wore the mask and was known in his time in Mexico as well. So this guy accomplished a lot, didn't he? I mean, what else was he famous for, Dan? Um, he was often prone to blading and... Aguero or Agayo, however you want to call him. He's been described by American pundits as a cross between Terry Funk and Bruno San Martino. <laughs> so, you know, to be somewhere between them, it's quite a crazy one. But he was the first person ever crowned the WWF light heavyweight champion through pre-1997 title reigns. They're not included in WWE's official canon, but, you know. Yeah, but he was inducted into the... Um the AAA Hall of Fame as well, which is a company he worked for for the majority of his life. History for him as well. And then we've got Connect there. looks like a traditional Lucha Libre type wrestler, doesn't he, Dan? He does, yeah. Um, he is a masked Mexican professional wrestler and former MMA fighter, currently performing part-time for Consejo Mundial Lucha Libre. A lovely, nice, easy Spanish names that we got. Yeah, see, nice one you left that for me. Yeah. <laughs> How did he get his start, then, Kinect, in the wrestling business? Um, he debuted in 1972 as El Universitario <laughs> at the age of 18. In 73, he changed his name to Kinect, a name inspired by the Mayan Indian leader, Jacinto Kinect. And he's one of few wrestlers to body slam Andre the Giant, which, yeah. you know, it's brilliant to be credited with that. Exactly. I mean, not many wrestlers... Can say that alongside they? Hulk Hogan, yeah, exactly. Lex Luger and Connect. No, it didn't, did he? No, Luger didn't. Those guys that can say he did. Uh, and as a major, as a major heavyweight worker for the Universal Wrestling Association promotion as well, uh, he became one of Lucha Libre's biggest attractions during the 1980s. So, like we say, and his uh, his rise uh, stardom after winning the national light heavyweight title by defeating Dr. Wagner on January 15th, 1978. Now, you can see this is 1997, so that is like 19 years ago at this point as well. Yeah. <laughs> and he still wrestled today. <laughs> so, you know, he's he's been around for a while. But he'd lose that title on the 20th of June to of that same year to his rival, Dos Caras. And he'd gain international exposure by defeating Luthez. Fucking hell. So, you know, to win his first of 15 UWA World Heavyweight Championship titles that he would hold during his career. <laughs> so a guy who's wrestled Luthez, but he slammed onto the giant. He's basically I mean? the Mexican Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah, and Connect would travel to Japan to face stars like Tiger Mask and Tatsumi Fujinami 
and um, his matches against foreign superstars drew such large crowds that the UWA would continue using the same formula with him for more than a decade. And although the UWA ceased to exist in 95, Connect continued defending and trading the UWA title. Although his June 2004 loss at the hands of former partner Dr. Wagner Jr. may signal a long break in Connect's monopoly as Dr. Wagner Jr., remains the reigning title holder. So, you know, <laughs> 10 years or nine years, he was he held it, and then, cool, he's uh, still there now. He beat Dr. Wagner, and then he's, he's facing his son now in matches as well. And, I mean, Connect, he holds rest, victories over several big wrestlers. I mean, just to name a few, you know, like, say, Lou Fez and Angelo Giant. Who else we got there? Uh, Hogan, Yokozuna, Ada, Owen Hart, uh, Fujinami, Ricky Chosu and Kim Duck. Yeah, and he had a very long feud with Mil Mascaris, who he never defeated. And uh, he's one of these guys, we'll see Mil Mascaris later in the Rumble, who's the most legendary of Mexican wrestlers. But Connect, with that long line of accomplishment, I mean, the match is nearly over now, will it, that? But um, no, fantastic talent. We'll talk about the other team in a minute. In the early goings, we've just seen the trading, really, at the moment, the traditional Lucha Libre 6 yeah. yeah, they're just all having a little warm-up into it, a nice, easy tag through the lot of them. And going on to their opponents, you've got Jerry Estrada, who is dressed up like a Mexican macho man. He is indeed. And I mean, do you like that look about him? Who looks the most, uh, who looks the best out of these six men at the moment? Um, well, Jerry certainly looks the most campist, <laughs> yeah, shall true. we say. Yeah, Gerardo Hernandez Estrada, yeah, is, uh, he was born in 1958, you know that? And he was a major star for uh, lots of Mexican wrestling federations, including the AAA in uh during the 90s as well. And of course, we've seen him here. He had a brief run in the WF around 97 to 1998 when the AAA and the WF had a working agreement. This is a part of them being there as well. On the undercards of this pay-per-view, we had about three uh, AAA matches that we had involved as well. Even though the crowd don't look very interested at this point in time, do they, Dan? Uh, no, they don't. They seem to be sitting on their hands. You know, is this one mainly a bit more for the marks? I don't even think that at this point in time because with like the advent of the internet or even trade magazines and stuff like this, I don't know how many WF fans would have known much about the Mexican wrestling. I mean, I know we're in Texas and the crowd, but by the look of things at the moment, they've come in to see the Untaker and Shawn Michaels, not Kinect and, you know, Vera Guerrero and stuff like that. But Well, they didn't have women to kind of be the filler match, so they had to go with uh, kind of next best thing, should yeah, we say, or the thing. next worst thing to... Dull the mood before getting them hyped up for the main event. Yeah. Or, or co-main events, shall we say. And we see the the other two, we just talk about quickly, heavy metal. We see uh, the guy in the yellow and black trousers that he's got, the stripy trousers. Um, yeah, like we say, he's he's had his, his career around Mexico, as most of them have, haven't they, as we, we see. And, um, of course, during the, rest, during the WF, during this time as well. And play, wrestled for TNA as well in 2004 and 2005. He's still wrestling as well in the AAA. So, you know, he's still going about, and he's probably the, one of the youngest at these six men here at the moment, aren't they? We see with their, their birthdays and stuff like that. I mean, heavy metal looks like maybe he looks the more cruiserweight classic type of guy, shall we say. He is, yeah. And the bloke who's just currently tagged out, Fuerza Guerrero. Is he part of the famous Guerrero? No. No, because that's Guerrero. He's in the red and white mask and the black singlet. Um, he was born in 1953. Uh, he's a Mexican luchador en mascarado, or masked professional wrestler, if you may. 
Uh, he made his debut in 77, his career. He's worked for every major wrestling organisation in Mexico. Oh, can you name them all? <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, MLL. The Assistant CIA Asesoria y Administración, or the AAA. The Universal Wrestling Association, the UWA. The World Wrestling Association, the WWA. And the International Wrestling Revolution Group, the IWRG. And yeah, throughout his career, he's held many titles and is currently in his second reign as the IWRG, the International Wrestling Revolution Group, Intercontinental Welterweight Champion. And his real name is not a matter of public record, as is often the case with masked wrestlers in Mexico, where their private lives are kept a secret from the wrestling fans. That's crazy to think. So then they could take the mask off and walk freely down the streets without anybody saying, like, hey, it's you, isn't it? Yeah. Eduardo Gonzalez is better known as Luchador Juventud Guerrera. Yeah, we all know Juventud Guerrera in WCW and stuff like that, yeah. And Fuerza Guerrera is Spanish for warrior strength, not to be mistaken for the surname... Guerrero. No, no one we'll mistake that. And as we see now, the two men in the ring at the moment, we've got Heavy Metal and we have got Hector Gar... No, we haven't got... We've got Kinect in there with Heavy Metal now. And this match is really rocking down, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. I mean, <coughs> the crowd are certainly into it. No, I mean, it's it's been the normal match. I mean, of course, with Mexican matches as well, you roll out the ring and that constitutes a tag. So... We've seen a lot of variation now as Kinect using his power, the veteran. He's got Fusa Guerrero up and straight down again. Oh, but there's a lot of back and forth between the whole wrestlers and the camp's back in the ring. Yeah, Strahler's in there now, so is Aguero. Oh, Aguero to the outside. Kinect has picked up Estrada. Going to throw him to the outside? No, big slam. And Garza missed there with a big jumping sent on. And again over the top. No. Oh, managed to save himself and swing back, jumping out and escaping potential damage. Yeah, but Gaza to the top rope now on the outside. Fucking hell, and a big corkscrew forearm. No, that was very nice, smooth. Very nice. Well done. Got a nice move. Connect's got heavy metal now. And the way he's lifting him, it doesn't seem very heavy. And Perro Double foot stomp off the top. <laughs> Perro with a foot stomp. Man of his age. Two, three. And there we go. And that's it. Putting him out of his misery. Well, Dan, what did you think of that match, eh? Um, absolutely awful. Very old man. No, I mean, like you say, isn't it? In between. We've had three good matches, haven't we? And now a filler match. A filler match with the Rumble on the horizon. That is the next match. Now, what are your thoughts on it, Dan? Anything else? Well, this match? Yeah, on this match. Um, it had the potential to be better if they had better wrestlers. I mean, you know, it could have really clicked on the Lucha Libre style. I mean, you know, as... Wrestling evolves over the next couple of years. You see them slowly introducing Libra-style wrestlers yeah. and, you know, it taking on big time. Are you looking forward to the Royal Rumble, though, and the main event? It's not put you off too much, is it? Uh, no, I'm definitely looking forward to the Royal Rumble. I know, you know, after the past couple of Rumbles, it's been a very exciting match. So, you know, I've got high hopes for tonight. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, the last, uh, Sean won the last two Royal Rumble matches. Firstly, in 1995, he ended number one, didn't he? Yeah. As you said earlier, when we saw Bulldog, um, Michael's winning like that. And then last year, by eliminating Diesel to get yes. the win. Uh, in not a bad match. I mean, the 96 Rumble and 95 was kind of lacking star talent, wasn't it, really? 
And like you say, with the 1997 one here, I think we're going to have a little bit more and as we go on through the years as well. But let's not forget the Rumble 2000. We started off with like D'Lo Brown and Headbangers, didn't we? So that wasn't like the, <laughs> the biggest talent as much. It's been in recent times where we expect a lot more. And we see Howard Finkel saying here tonight's attendance is 60,477. So are you ready, Dan? I am ready for the Royal Rumble. Yeah, let's get ready to rumble then. And I've, you see the fireworks going off here. It is 60,000 people here at the Alamo Dome. We are waiting for the Rumble match. I wonder who number one will be, eh? Looks like he's being escorted out by members of the nation. Oh, yeah, it is. It's uh, Crush at number one then. This big man. Hey, big man. Well, we saw him interfering earlier in the uh, Ahmed Johnson fruit match, so interesting start. But um, going into this year, Dan, do we have any, like to say, we talk about the favourites, but... It was common knowledge that Bret Hart would win setting up a rematch against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 13. But Stone Cold Steve Austin would have something to say about that. And this young lion had been feuding with Bret since the Hitman's return last year. Yeah. And we talk about the this, this story going into it. You know, we've seen the Intercontinental title kind of interwoven. Um, we saw Bret Hart. Well, Shawn Michaels won the Rumble last year, as we said. Beat Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12. Bret took some time off afterwards. And when he came back, decided to fight Steve Austin. We saw that match at Survivor Series 96, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, and I think that was mean. And, of course, everybody thought, yeah, Brett would win the Rumble, setting up with Shawn Michaels. I mean, Shawn Michaels still got to win the title back from uh, Psycho Sid later in the night. And, like I say, with Stone Cold in the Rumble. But number two in the Rumble now? Uh, number two is Ahmed Johnson. Fucking hell. And, uh, like we say, Johnson had a crush, and he can start off with him straight away now. And Armour Johnson looks cool, calm and collected. I mean, that might be quite scary for Crush. He's got the nation by his side, but I don't know if they can prove much help. And they scarf her out of the ring, leaving Crush to take the big man on himself. Yeah, punched in the corner by Crush. Of course, Royal Rumble, my favourite match. I mean, what do you think of the Rumble, Dan? I love it. There's, there's so many things to like about it, isn't there, you know? There is, yeah. The unpredictability of it, you know, the whole thing, really. It's, you know, the surprise of it. You've got... You know, impressive streaks going through it. You had Kane's lengthy run. It's, I th- it's just the magic of it. Yeah, it is. You know, like I say, then the storylines involved in each of them that can play out, like we've seen now already with the uh, Ahmed Johnson versus the Nation feud. You're going to see wrestlers, maybe tag teams going against each other that like you haven't seen before as well. And like I say, the surprise entrance, you know, you expect every year now to have at least a couple that come in and do it. I think the Rumble's really taken on. You look at consider other match types. The Rumble's still strong as it is now. I'm, you know, like we say, since nearly thirty years now, the Rumble's been about. It's a incredible thing. It's still exciting every year, isn't it? You know. Yeah. And you see these two men. They've got a big rivalry going into it, and Crush is trying to eliminate Ahmed Johnson, but I think he's just too big to lift over on his own. Quite a slow start to the Rumble there. Yeah, well, I mean, they're starting off with the kind of the story towards it, aren't they? I mean, like we say, the Rumble recent years ain't been the uh, the biggest of wrestlers, but we're just waiting for number three to come out now, and oh, it is... fucking hell, Razor Ramon. Well, <laughs> it is Razor Ramon, but unfortunately at this time, as we know, in 1997, Dan, it wasn't Scott Hall playing it, was it? It wasn't, no. It was a bit of an imposter. Yeah, Rick Bogner is his name. Yes. And he's got all the moves and that. He looks a bit like him as well. (laughs) Can't blame him for trying, but oh. Oh, there we go. And there's his Royal Rumble over and done with. And that's much like his career. It is indeed. I mean, he got introduced by JR, who said he did have Diesel, Razor Ramon. Turned out to be Rick Bogner. We know who fake Diesel was, don't we? Who was that, James? It was Glenn Jacobs. It turned out to be Kane as well. And uh, 
I mean, fake these had a little bit more success, but I think, like you say, we've seen the highlight of uh, this race for Ramon's career as it's back to Amit Johnson and Crush. But yeah, three men already. <laughs> and two men remain. Oh, and Crush looked to join him, but managing to scramble his way back in the ring. Yeah, Amit Johnson's only had a tough match tonight and he looked like he had Crush then and Amit Johnson's just jumped over the top rope chasing after Farouk. He's eliminated himself then. Oh, okay. Um, all right. <laughs> he he has eliminated himself from the Royal Rumble match and Crush reigns supreme at the moment in the Rumble. So <laughs> And he's all on his own. Who's next? Oh, Phineas that, Godwin. Yeah, coming down with um, Hillbilly Jim in his corner, part of Godwin's tag team. Had successful in there. Of course, <laughs> Phineas turned into Midian, didn't he? Naked Midian, all his famous characters. Yeah. You know, he's going up against Crush. These two big superstars going at it, Dan. They're certainly big, heavy-hitting blokes. Do you think the roster's improved since these days? Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> do you think the Rumble now doesn't have a weak link, or do you still think... Well, you know, like the first four entrants... Uh, well, look at them. Well, uh, well, Ahmed Johnson, you know, young, won the, superstar, the young superstar of the year, you know. Yeah, but where have up. any of these four gotten? What have they done with their career? What what have they achieved? Absolutely fuck all between them. I suppose, yeah. Crush brings down Phineas. But we have got PG-13 and uh, the attorneys at ringside and, of course, Hillbilly Jim as well. So I think, you know, the managers have got more credibility than the actual <laughs> in-ring performers. Yeah, but don't go messing with a country boy. Maybe the next uh, superstar that comes out can liven things up a little bit. They've had so much rumble. Of course, there's no promo video at the start of it. What did you think of the promo video, Dan? Uh, there wasn't one. Oh, no, exactly. And uh, nowadays we have, you know, rumble by the numbers, which is more exciting. And here comes number five, and it is... Oh, fucking hell. Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, you know, hopefully business is... Oh, and this young man, I don't know a lot about him, Dan. Can you tell, tell me a little bit? <laughs> Relatively unknown character, to be honest. I mean, he's not really done much with his career. I don't think it's, it's going to go that far, do you? Well, no, the former ringmaster's in and, you know, going against taken down by Phineas. No, but all joking aside, you know, Steve Austin only debuted, like, say, 96, only the Stone Cold. We talk about his King of the Ring win as well. And going against Bret Hart, calling him out. And, uh, you know, Austin and, and Bret, like I say, been involved in a little bit of a feud he, Austin, attacked Bret Hart on Superstars this past weekend, injuring his leg. Bret Hart come out on Raw with a um, with a limp, and Austin kind of annoying the rest of the Superstars. It was a match between the British Bulldog versus The Rock, Dan, which does sound like a good match, doesn't it? It sounds like quite an interesting match, yeah, actually. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't. As Austin takes down Crush, and Phineas throws him over the top rope, and we do have a countdown. And it's just Phineas and Austin left, and, oh, <laughs> stand up for Phineas. Austin with the stunner throwing Phineas out and now Austin's last man standing at the moment. And who's next? Well, it's like going back to Raw quickly and it was, yeah, Bulldog versus The Rock. Very boring match it was. And um, Austin came out and stunned Bulldog to the outside, um, costing him the match against The Rock. What won by count out, Pro Hart and commentary. Owen Hart came down as well. But we see, yeah, entrant number six come down. It is Bart Gunn, part of the Smoking Guns. Yep, alongside Billy Gunn. I mean, a very young Billy Gunn. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and he's managed to get hold of Austin. Hit him with a rocker dropper. Oh. Oh, <laughs> managed to save himself from getting eliminated, but not from the clothesline from Austin, and he is out. Uh, and you talk about the slow start. It's picked up with Austin in there now, hasn't it, young it Gunn? certainly has, and he's doing a few press-ups, <laughs> warming himself up for the rest of the match. Oh, well, this is what Steve Austin's all about. Got the attitude. Can he back it up? 
Like I say, his first Royal Rumble match as well as Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's just sat on the top turn buckle waiting for the next competitor. Oh, he's made easy work on it. And yeah, like I say, Austin's been around at this moment just raising hell as he always does. Who's going to be next if you see the countdown? And you see him looking at his wrist tape watch. I mean, this character, how old is it? What, now? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like, currently in this time. A year. It's been a year. It's been a year. And look what he's come it's been, well, it's been even. It's been even six months, you know. The King of Ring 96 is when Austin yeah. fully arrived. And he beat Jake the Snake Roberts in the final to win the crown. And uh, number seven is Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> oh, what a chance of that. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Well, Jake coming down. Is that Damien in the bag? Oh, I hope not. Well, Stone Cold, the rattlesnake doesn't want any of that. Jake the snake. Well, Jake's coming in and not the best of shape here, Jake, is he? No, I think he's certainly over the hill. But he's got him up, a dreaded DDT as well. He's working on Steve Austin's arm. Nothing Austin could do. But let's say six months in, Austin just feeding out what the Stone Cold character does and just working his way through it. And you can see at the moment the way he moves about in the ring as well, not suffering from any long-term injuries yet. No, I mean, his knees are relatively strong so far, and I don't think he's received a pile driver to break his neck. No, not yet, as he punches Jake the Snake, and that Damien, or the snake, is in the middle of the ring at the moment. Oh, there you go, referee gets him out. Thing is, if the snake stays in there, then everybody eliminates himself, the snake will go to WrestleMania. The eventual winner jumps over the top rope. Yeah, exactly, and then all of a sudden you've got... You've got Shawn Michaels against Damien. <laughs> yeah, who wants that? Oh, big clothesline by Jake, calling for the DDT. Who's next? Our entry at number eight. And it's the British Bulldog. Well, the Bulldog would have a problem, like we say, from Austin from Raw. As we see in the big screen, Austin dumped Jake the Snake out, throws him over the top. Jake the Snake's out. And that was 70 seconds. <laughs> so from elimination, from Jake entering the ring to Jake being eliminated was 70 seconds. And Bulldog was on his way out. Well, Austin's just eliminated his third man there. But Bulldog in the ring now, and he's got his running power slam on Steve Austin. That's his finishing move. Austin's in trouble. I mean, Bulldog's certainly taking no prisoners here. Yeah, I think the Bulldog looks quite well at this moment as well, you know. He's got the, the short hair, a bit less muscle than he normally have. And obviously, he's had success at the Rumble in the past as well. Maybe this could be his year, Dan. Definitely, yeah. You know, he's come close before. He's like the early day Big Show. <laughs> yeah, it's so close. Been but, in the last like, two yeah. so many times, but not won it. Well, we're waiting for number nine now. And it is... Piero, and we see him coming down, and uh, he's now a retired Mexican lucha leader, of course, not back then. And he made his debut in 1984, and he's worked for all the major wrestling promotions. And uh, 1998 made a couple of appearances for the WF, as we see in the Rumble, as he gets spine busted by the British Bulldog. He and he ended up losing his mask as a result of losing the match to La Parker, who wrestled in WSW, as we know. And uh, due to real health, retired in 2008. But again, another AAA talent coming across to help the WF Raw Rumble out. You know, it's showing a bit of uh, variety to the roster, I suppose. And he's got now in a sleep. You don't see many sleepers in the Rumble, do you? He's got the Bulldog. And Austin up top with a double axe handle, breaking that up. And Steve Austin has been on fire since coming out here tonight. And unlikely pairings. I mean, both Austin and the Bulldog working on pair off. Exactly, you wouldn't have thought you'd see unlikely pairings in the Rumble, these two men. Oh, no, as I say that, Bulldog's turned on him and he's teamed up with the Lucha Libre wrestler. Well, maybe the next man to come out, number 10, can be of help. Be of help, can help out. We're a third of the way through already, James. My God, it's flying by, isn't it? You know, the Rumble does fly by. 
And this man now, the Sultan, coming out with uh, the Iron Sheik. And do you know who the Sultan became, Dan? Go on, James. Surprise me. Uh, it will. Rikishi. <gasps> <laughs> what? Yeah, Rikishi was, uh, of course, we know Rikishi Zatu was the... Um, head shrinkers. Head shrinkers, it was indeed. It's part of that. And they try to do the Fatu. We saw it at the In Your House events, didn't we, in 95? Trying to make them all street and hip-hop. Didn't really work. They gave him this really racist gimmick. You see he's got his head shaved there in a kind of weird uh, way he was. Sultan's biggest claim to fame was at WrestleMania 13 of this year where he faced Rocky Maivia in a oh, match. Oh, yeah. So the Rock and Rikishi faced off years before they did <laughs> in 2000. But at this point, Sultan, we talk about gimmicks and uh, this is a very odd style of wrestler, isn't it, Sultan? Um, you can't exactly say that the Rikishi was blessed with the most greatest of gimmicks, though, can you? No, you can't. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, a hip-hop dancing bad guy, I mean... I think the best run he had was the Rikishi in that massive six-man cage elimination match. I mean, you know, yeah. taking that big bump was probably the highlight of his career. And it was still about his fat ass, though, wasn't it, as well? It was, the, yeah. Trunks. Do you think Rikishi was an underrated wrestler? Um, Slightly, yeah. For the like the longevity of his career, and, you know, he managed to stick for it throughout, I think, yeah, he was quite underrated. Yeah, no, I, I do as well, as we see all four men in the ring. Who is going to be the next man out? Number 11. Is that Mil Mascaras? It is. It Mascaras. is. It is Mil Mascaras, the Mexican king, basically. The guy who has done everything there is in Mexican wrestling. He is the equivalent of Hulk Hogan and Bruno San Martino combined, really, of what he's done. And uh, we haven't seen a lot of him. This is his, one of his only appearances in the WWF at this time. And he was notoriously known for not wanting to sell to people and doesn't lose either. He never wanted to lose to people. There was one... For, Mick Foley in his book, he's talking about having a match with Mil Mascaras, and he's like, "I'll oh, backdrop." He goes, "No, I do not backdrop for anybody. You'd just be too easy." And Cactus is like, "What a fucking dickhead!" And for Mick Foley to some to say that about someone, you'd think, "Oh, maybe you know, backstage politics and stuff." But he's come out here and he's taken down a Sultan, the Sultan of Squat, <laughs> Bulldog Austin Apuro, kind of caught in this weird triangle type thing at the moment. Let's wait for the next guy to come out. Number twelve. Who's it going to be? Time to play the game. Well, Spotted T, here comes uh, <laughs> Hunter Hearst Helmsley is the next one out. We saw him defend the Intercontinental title earlier the night. Could he go to WrestleMania and face the champ? And Austin's certainly been kept busy. I mean, Bulldog's over. Yeah. And Peroff uh, well, as well. Yeah, Hunter's come out here and taken Bulldog now and assault and double-teaming him. Mascara's probably taking a little breath at the moment. Apuro, is he, is he in longer than you thought he would be? Uh, certainly, yeah. Him <laughs> and uh, Mascaris as well. Oh, I think Mascaris is he's uh, <laughs> the final four. <laughs> he's, he's gonna, I yeah. will win Rumble. I am in Rumble. I will win. <laughs> I am Rumble. I am Rumble. Oh, and Bulldog clothesline and Sultan over the top. Oh, and Sultan is out of here. And Bulldog getting an elimination. Bulldog looks quite strong as well at the moment. And those of you who had the Sultan in your Royal Rumble pool, you can now cross him off. Yeah. Yeah, he's crossed off. And now the, the two uh, Mexicans teaming up on Bulldog. Austin thinks he eliminates Triple H. But you talk about the talent in the match, and it's like, you know, you see Triple H versus Austin now, you wouldn't really realise what it was, would you, you know? And you wouldn't realise what it would actually become. You just see Rikishi eliminated. You're going to have other guys in here tonight as well. The British Bulldog is a, 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 a definitely a Hall of Fame-worthy guy. 
And who's going to be lucky number 13? Here comes the British Bulldogs tag team partner at number 13. It is Owen Hart, the two-time Slammy Award winning tag team champion. And one-time Nugget. <laughs> and him and Austin started a fight. I mean, you know what kind of rivalry them two had? Yeah, I mean, Owen Hart, like I say, broke Steve Austin's <laughs> The Bulldog trying to get Austin over the top. And Owen oh, Hart... Oh, did Owen Hart just eliminate the Bulldog? I think he did. You naughty boy, Owen. Well, Bulldog was doing well. And Owen saying, no, I tried to get Steve Austin out. I no, thought he it didn't. was Austin. He's lying. Oh, and Owen, like we say, he played, always played a great hill going after Mascaris now. But Bulldog, well, one of the favourites, I would say. Ten minutes, you know, nearly ten minutes he had in the match. And he is gone. And Steve Certainly. Austin... Steve Austin take a little breather in the corner now as well. Triple H looks in trouble though. Piero. And Lascaris and Owen Hart. And who's going to be next? Who's going to be number 14? Oh, the golden one. Again, making his second appearance of the night. And he's got unfinished business with Triple H as well, hasn't he? Certainly has. Oh, Lascaris trying to dump Owen Hart over the top there. And Austin meets Goldusso, so he can't get his hands on Triple H just yet. Oh, Owen Hart managed to jump out from Mascaris' grip. And around the other side, now you had the, the four men together. We see a replay. Look at that. How blatant was Owen Hart there? He <laughs> definitely knew that that was British Bulldog. They're tag team champions, damn it. So Austin and Goldust, Piero, Triple H, Owen Hart and Mascaris. And, and this rumble's kind of heated up a little bit now. It's quite enjoyable. It has, yeah. You know, Do you think it gets better that when there's more people in? Or do you yeah. think there's a certain point where there's two men you can't really concentrate on any of the action because it's all distracting you from each other. I think you're, you're, you're right in, in some respects. I do like it when there is numbers, but it has to be sensible. Like, this number now is quite good. Four, like five, say. six, yeah, but exactly. any more than that. Well, I don't mind having, like, you know, nine people in there. Do you have a big monster coming out? And I like when, you know, like the, the, the favourites come out and they eliminate, like, four or five people quickly. I, I've always enjoyed that kind of thing. Didn't you like the moment when, uh, I think, when someone anticipate or when someone big's coming out next and then someone just goes on a hot streak to face the big person yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah, no, yeah. That's the good thing about the Rumble. They can draw things in as well and talk about it there. And who is next? Well, number 15 coming out. It's Cybernetico. Well, Cybernetico. My God. And we talk about the Triple H, Triple A thing. Um, Dan, do you want to tell me something about him? No, that's when we haven't got anything else about him. <coughs> we, we looked at his profile... He works for the AAA, and uh, he participated in the Rumble 1997. That's that's what he's done, Dan. I mean, an impressive career, no? Most definitely, yes. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about his look, though? Do you like it? Uh, yeah, he looks amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the black trunks, and he's got the mask on. As he goes after Mill Mascaris, and of course, these two probably feuded during, uh, you know... AAA days. AAA days. He's trying to rip his mask off. Oh, and that is the ultimate insult to a lucha wrestler. It as is. you all well know. Goldust nearly eliminated by Steve Austin. Own heart attacking him from behind. See, that's the WWS version of a masked wrestler. Goldust with his face painted. <laughs> yeah, At least true, you yeah. can't unmask him, though. Yeah, but during the match, if he gets like really sweaty, his paint might fade. But And now we see Cybernetica coming in with Mascaras. Halfway through the Royal Rumble. Wow. We just had number 15. We were just awaiting 16. Look like Austin through Triple H over the top. Oh, but Triple H managing to survive and Austin taking out Owen Hart, was that? With a big knee to the back. I did, and oh, who's that who went Cybernetico, I think? Just... Cybernetico was eliminated by Mascaris and Pieroff. And he did, and Pieroff now going over, and he is dumped over by Mil Mascaris. 
And he goes to the outside on the top rope. And he's eliminated himself. There we go. The next, he tries to jump out back in the ring as well. As Mark Mero comes in, who number 16 with the lovely Sable going mm. after Triple H. As we know, they've had history in the past, don't we? Most definitely, yeah. And the referee's explaining to Mascaris that he has actually, in fact, eliminated himself. But he uh, leaves. 20 years later, though, Dan, does it still hold up at the moment? Yeah, I mean, you know, it certainly has come a long way since this. I mean, you know, you've definitely got better wrestling. And as I say, that Triple H has been eliminated by Goldust. You would never see that in a million years these days. Yeah, but when Triple H uh, cheated earlier to retain the title against Goldust, prolongs the feud as well, dumping him over the top. It does, yeah, a bit of back and forth. But no, I think it's certainly come a long, a long way with wrestling skill, you know, as the whole wrestling industry has. But, you know, you still can't beat the classic moments of, you know, what Kofi Kingston brings to it or even uh, he done his spectacular yeah. jump outside and, you know... No, I know you say, yeah, the, to... the, the, the kind of the stunt moves that they got in, which is always brings some excitement to it. And now the field's been cropped a little bit as well. We see just four men in the ring at the moment, Mark Merrigold, Stoneheart and Austin, as number 17 comes out. And it's Latin Lover. Do you know, Latin Lover... He was sometimes criticised by Hispanics who watched a rerun of Monday Night Raw uh, to be a Mexican ripoff of Shawn Michaels, Dan. Did you know that? Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, this is mainly because of his nickname, you know, Latin lover, heartbreak, ah. kid, kind of same thing, isn't it, you know? Yeah. And, and they both used the same finishing move. I mean, that was a big thing as well, Latin lover used yeah. the super kick. But in 2005, he competed in and won Biannador... Por un error. And he announced his retirement on January 26th after a serious injury requiring surgery. Oh, Goldust throws Owen Hart at the top, but there we go, Skin the Cat coming back in. But Latin Lover, does he look like Shawn Michaels to you? Um, no. Elimination there. And that's Owen Hart eliminating Goldust. Yeah, he throws him over the top, and now he's got Latin Lover over with a suplex trying to get rid of him. And Latin Lover looks in trouble. Mark Merrow wearing down Austin as we... The countdown's going quick, isn't it? I mean, it I is, think it's definitely. 90 seconds, and the next up is the leader of the Nation of Domination. Farouk and his partner got eliminated very early on. But he doesn't need to worry about Ahmed Johnson because he used tactics earlier, didn't he, to uh, eliminate Ahmed from the Rumble. Can I just say that... And Latin lover. Oh, eliminated by Farouk. I mean, he's made an impact already in this match. But yeah. gets taken out by Stone Cold. <laughs> and that lover last one minute, 14 seconds. And Austin and Farouk going at it now. Now, wait a minute. Here comes Ahmed Johnson with a two by four. Oh, oh and start wailing on Farouk, who gets eliminated by a lump of two before. He does Austin to the outside, but he wasn't eliminated. Went underneath the bottom rope. So Ahmed Johnson's coming out with two before. I thought, fuck that. And Ahmed Johnson's going after Farouk. Run, Farouk. Run. And Sable outside cheering on the man as well. Hammer Johnson, is his work here done tonight? <laughs> I think it is, but for now. <laughs> <coughs> and Austin throws out Mark Mero. And, and he's in the rumble all alone. Yeah, Austin in here. Now, and that's very impressive by Austin. And it's Savio Vega next. Austin and Savio Vega know each other very well because they feuded at In Your House events during last year, most notably in the strap match as well. And Savio, we've seen Savio in the In Your House events last year as well. You were quite impressed with him in certain ways, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, you know, he impressed me in some ways. Uh, but he, unfortunately, his character didn't really catch on too much, did it? No, it didn't. But I think he might have a long rumble 
appearance in him as we see him hit the uh, spilling hill kick on Steve Austin. Definitely in control of Steve Austin now. Most definitely, yes. I mean, Austin doesn't really stand a chance against the fresh Vega. But Austin now been in for nearly, you know, 25 minutes. Hold on to the top rope, pushes Vega off. Oh, manages to drop him on the top rope, though. And stun gunning up. And goodbye, Vega. And Austin is all alone. Well, Austin eliminates Sammy Vega from the Royal Rumble. And yeah, I told you Vega wouldn't last long. He wasn't one of my favourites. Um, the next one, wherever number 20 is, I'm back in there, I'll tell you. And we see a replay of Mero going with Owen Hart. With Steve Austin dumping both men over the top. Well, Cut. fucking hell, Steve Austin's been on a bit of an elimination streak. I mean, he, he's got a few. As we count down to the next man, we count down to number 20 already. Is that the road dog? It is Jesse James in his country and western gimmick. Former partner of um, Jeff Jarrett. Getting help from the honky-tonk man as well now. Oh, but Austin, he's on a bit of a fire, but Jesse James managing to give him a shake, rattle and roll. Oh, and a big forearm in the corner. Kick to the midsection and thrown, oh, over the top rope, but lands on the outside. Ooh. Austin delivers a big elbow and that's it. He's all on his own again. Well, Austin gets his seventh elimination of the night now. That's got to be some sort of record. <laughs> at the moment it is, and Austin can't believe it at the moment. He just eliminated... He basically got just eliminated 19 men, you know. He's got 10 left now, and Austin there. We see the crowd, and I don't think anybody can believe the performance of Steve Austin tonight. It has been brilliant, hasn't it, you know? Most definitely, yes, and I don't think anyone can stop Austin after this. Well, it would be interesting to see, but Steve Austin taking a little breather. As we see, he's eliminated everybody they had, and as we count down, who will be number 21? Austin's just going to take him out in about 25 seconds. Exactly, and the music oh, plays. and I don't think that's the music Austin wanted to hear. <laughs> and the screech of the electric guitars and it's, uh, it's Bret Hart. And Bret has got a problem with Austin. And Steve Austin now, like I say, the shock in his eyes. But now telling Bret to bring it on. But it's Bret 100%. This is what we've been looking for, isn't it? The two favourites going in. Bret and Austin. Oh, and the showdown of the Immortals. And the crowd going absolutely crazy is Bret and Austin. Trading right hands. Brett starting to take over. I mean, he's very fresh. Oh, Inverted atomic drop. Big clothesline taking down Austin. Well, Steve Austin come at number five. So you've got to think now that his energy's low. Like I say, Bret Hart, fresh man. The champion that he is. Working on Steve Austin in the corner. But Austin turns the table on Bret Hart now. Working on the right, uh, right hands. Brett trying to fight out. And like we say, Brett's got the advantage at the moment. Reversing Austin turnbuckle. Then big clothesline down. And Austin might need a little bit of help now. Who could possibly save the day for Austin? Who's going to be 22? Is Bret Hart. He's going for the sharpshooter now. Right in the middle of the ring. Austin can't do anything. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Jerry the King Lawler. Well, he's on commentary throughout the night. But he won the surprise entrance in the Rumble, taking off his jacket. He says to Vince, I'll be back after a win it. And look at Jerry the King. Shape, calls me wrestling regularly on Raw. Here we go. Comes in. Bret's got him. Oh, and two hits and Lawler's out. <laughs> oh. I mean, um, well, yeah, he certainly didn't last that long at all. <laughs> and Brett uh, and the King back on commentary now as well. That's how long it took. Um, looking at my watch, I think that was four seconds. <laughs> well, the King unfortunately couldn't help Steve Austin there. No, the King puts his jacket back on. Well, I think JR probably would have lasted longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brett dives off the second rope there on Steve Austin. Brett now has been in complete control of Steve Austin since coming in. He's making Austin his bitch, isn't he? Let's be fair. He about most it. certainly is, yeah. I mean, 
Brett is famous for beating men down and claiming a victory, and he's no stranger to winning the Royal Rumble. I think Brett could eliminate Steve Austin now, but I think he can eliminate Steve Austin now. I don't think he wants to. Uh, I just think he wants to hurt him. And, of course, Bret Hart did win joint winner with Lex Luger in 1994. But who's going to be number 23? Oh, and it is Diesel. <coughs> Kane. <laughs> but Glenn Jacobs, like I say, big guy. Looked quite well here as well. You know, got the, the dyed black hair with Diesel beard as well coming out. They're like, hmm, that face is really fucking ugly. Should we put a mask on it? Black out <laughs> the eyes. Give him a whole red onesie. But this is the thing with, I think, the the change in WWE nowadays. We see fake Diesel coming in working on Brett. Is I don't think someone like Glenn Jacobs would have had a chance nowadays. He would have come in, given up one gimmick, and then if it had not worked, you know, like the, the Isaac Yankum, they would have got rid of him. It's like uh, Eugene having that cat, or, you know what I mean, Mohammed Hassan. You, you're not going to come back. Very rare you get repackaged. It's like Dolph Ziggler, the whole Spirit Squad, was the only one that came back as something yeah. else, you know? So... To have that opportunity to go through like two or three and then be like, right, we'll give you the cane one, this is your last chance, and to make it sink of that. Do you think that's why they put a mask on him for a few years to like so they forget about the face of Diesel and think, well, yeah, someone completely different? Yeah, I, I think so. I definitely think so because it, it annoyed a lot of fans that they brought a fake Diesel, fake Razor in because they got a slap in the face, which it was really. You know, you're trying to fool a fan by saying it's a certain guy and it's him. But I don't think anything wrong Glenn Jacobs, you know, still a good worker. And he's coming and help Steve Austin out now in this match, hasn't he? Yeah. And do you think there is any circumstances where that would ever work, like someone leaving and getting replaced? Um, I mean, like, you know, with a masked wrestler, I mean, say, for they example. They did do it with Sin Cara, so I suppose that is kind of, you know, that works. But I don't think when it's someone so recognisable as like a diesel, it's actually going to help, you know. But at the moment, we've got Brett Austin and Kane in the ring. And I wonder who's going to be number 24. Oh, and it is Terry Funk. Well, the Funkster at this point, he still would go on to become ECW champion as well. So Funk's got a lot in his career. <laughs> Indeed, and that is number 24. Yeah, and he's coming out here working on Steve Austin. Of course, Funk from Amarillo, Texas, the famous Funk brothers, the Funk family. And look, Amarillo, Texas for Terry. Big son. Brett Diesel in one corner, Terry Funk, Steve Austin in the other corner. Kind of slowed down a little bit now, hasn't it? Yeah, as yes, but you know, still two big names out of the well, three big names out of the four. Yeah, well, be... four big names actually, because even Kane. Yeah, exactly. That's the weird thing about it. What he would become, and Terry Funk is he going to be chucked over the top by Austin? Oh, he looks close. Oh. I know Bret Hart coming to save the day. Oh. <laughs> it's going to take a lot more hit Funk and Funk thanks him by hitting him in the midsection which is always nice as well Yeah, here comes number 25 after the Terry Funk pole driver on Brett oh that wasn't didn't look very nice but here we go who's it going to be oh and it's Rocky Maivia uh, this young blue chipper I tell you what fresh face coming in now first he is Royal indeed Rumble, first Royal Rumble match and he's squaring up against <laughs> Austin I mean fuck me the matches M2 would go on to have. I know, the Rock and Austin, Rock and Austin. Rock and Kane, yeah. <laughs> or Diesel. It would only be in the WF at this point for about three months, The Rock. He didn't really have much of a set two with Brett, did he? No, not really, no. But uh, I'll tell you, interesting about that, Brett was on commentary during the Rock and uh, Bulldog match. And he, Vince said, what do you think about the Rocky Maivir? Brett said, out of everybody I've seen come through, he's got the most potential of any wrestler that I have seen. So I don't know if he was given that line or he thought it, but Brett... You know what I mean? Brett, Brett thought well. He got the Brett Hart seal of approval. Yeah, I mean, I think they might have had one or two matches, but nothing serious, like say a programme. 
But now you've got The Rock in here as well, as, of Rocky Maivia, and it's quite incredible to think that this fuzzy-haired dude would become the great one. Well, what's that out of five? Four of them heavyweight champions. All heavyweight champions, in it. Well, Funk as well. Terry Funk was the NWA champion, you know, back oh, in the... Yeah. yeah. Back yeah, in the eighties and stuff then. like this, or well, back in the seventies and even the eighties, and then Terry Funk was used as kind of that monster heel going against Hogan and going against Flair in WCW. You know, Funk was used a lot, and like I would say still become ECW champion. And Terry Funk guns it had like eight careers in it. Oh, mankind! Well, talk about a man who's had a few careers in it. Mankind number twenty six. Did you like Mankind like this? Have you seen him come out? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's interesting. He's really unhinged at this point. He's, you know, looks like he needs to be in a straitjacket, really. Yeah. Most definitely. Like I say, be feuding with the Untaker, and he just comes in and just rocks gently as Funk tries to eliminate Rocky Maivia. What's Mankind going to do? Go after his hardcore friend? These two men, of course, battled, like we say, in East W Japan throughout 95 as well. One of my favourite Royal Rumble moments as well, I think, these two. Like, you know... uh the multiple, I saw Charlie coming out, and then Mankind, and then Dude Love, and then, yeah, uh, you know, it was the, just brilliant. The, the following year, yeah, Rumble 98, which we'll probably watch next year, if that's, you know, if it's 20 yeah. years as well, do you know what I mean? We'll, yeah, we'll that makes sense. That tradition of Steve Austin, Suplex, Bret Hart, Punk and Mankind together, and Kane and The Rock. And like I say... <laughs> Are we calling him Kane? Uh, uh, we'll call him Fake Diesel then, and Rocky Maivia. <laughs> we'll do it for the time, we'll be fair with it. But the talent in there, and we still, and like I say, we still got one, two, three, four. We still got four, four men wrestlers. left. One of them, one of them is the Undertaker. We know that much. We do indeed, yes. And Brett's got the sleeper in on Steve Austin, jawbreaker, a variation of Stunner. And up next, Terry Funk's brother <laughs> is Flash Funk. Why? What are you saying? Not play? Why? <laughs> it looks more like the Flash. Well, you talk about ECW as well. Uh, Flash Funk used to be too cold Scorpio and would still on becoming that would still go back to that character in WWF that was that ripoff character wasn't it yeah oh seated pile driver from Brett to Austin I mean uh, well, awkward yeah that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna hurt Brett and Flash Funk coming in dressed up nice now, I mean he's a bit like a pimp I suppose going that to the top rope now light blue singlet taking out Kane and Funk Mankind and a rock now in the corner Brett up with Austin so we've definitely got an ECW feel to it as well. We've seen AAA as well. The future of the WF here and the past involved all in this Royal Rumble match so far. Yeah. And out of all of them, you've got one current general manager, one who makes part-time appearances and one who's been dressed up in a suit and now back to being a monster. Yeah. So three of them out of them all still very active. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as we see Terry Funk getting choked by Mankind there. And we count down for number... 28. 28. 28. And we should say number 27, Flash Funk's number. That's the number that's been most, that's most wins in Royal Rumble history. Number 27 is people's lucky number. So if anybody's looking at home, Flash Funk, just saying. But number 28 now. It's time. It's time. It's Vader time. And again, the second time seeing him tonight. Well, yeah. And I tell you what, he's had a long rest since his match and he won, you know, beating the Untaker as well. Coming at number 28, Vader is a very heavy favourite, I would say, coming into this match at this point in time. Definitely, yeah. Targets Bret Hart straight away. I mean, he's trying to make a point. I think he is. There's Flash Funk there showing some guts trying to beat down Vader. But Steve Austin there has been in the ring. Must be 35 minutes now. A mankind sitting in the corner. Love it. Well, Steve Austin's gone straight to Vader. Like I would say, Austin doesn't back down. Might be a mistake, though. 
Oh, and runs into a big mastodon. Oh, and now Brett targeting Vader. I mean, everyone likes to take out the big guy. Kane of Mankind. I mean, the matches them two are going to have. Uh, exactly. And, you know, and, and Kane at this point, big guy as well, might be one of the favourites to see here as well. Flash Funk, favourite number. Terry Funk's always going to be a, a nasty bastard to get over the top. Now how crazy Mankind is. As we count down now to number 29. Number 29. Is he going to be another impressive character? Oh, here we go. Oh, my God. Another one of the Godwins, Billy Jim, coming out. We saw Phineas getting eliminated earlier. And this is Henry Godwin now. Maybe he's going to try and take down Steve Austin. A bit of payback for his tag team part. Henry O. Godwin, eh? Big hoss. He is. We've seen him. Yeah, and Austin there. He's been in since number five. I mean, who else is coming close? I think Funk will be second longest in there. Bret Hart, wouldn't it? Bret Hart. Oh, yeah, Bret Hart. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bret Hart came in at 21 when Austin was by himself. And then since then filled up and we've got nine men in the ring now Austin's coming at number five he's number five he's far away the the longest guy in the ring and it's got seven eliminations at this point in time oh yeah Brett and Diesel have been in longer than yeah Diesel coming at 23 and then the Funker just, Terry Funk just looks like he's been there longer because he, yeah, he's got <laughs> Terry Funk's 24 though yeah Terry Funk's got an age as his, uh, as his opponent in this one as well and Zorokny thrown over by Flash Funk there at uh, number 30, I think there's only one man it could be, and that is the dead man. Going to try and get some retribution against Vader. Well, coming at number 30 as well, he's got to be a huge favourite going in. Hasn't won the Rumble at this point. We see the fan reaction as well. The lights go out. And it can only be one man, the Untaker. And we've seen all 30 men here. And what have you thought of the Rumble uh, roster this year, 1997, Dan? You've been impressed by it? Most definitely, yeah. I mean, you know... For that point, it may not seem like it's too much. I mean, you know, a lot of fresh men coming into it, but what they would achieve throughout the years, I mean, you know, it'd be remarkable. Yeah, it, this is the the setting stone, you know, when companies look about what to do for the future, this is what they should do with this. Go on. Kane and Undertaker. Kane and the Undertaker Their now, second yeah. meeting, we'd have <laughs> seen, I mean, they met each other in the promotion. Ohio Valley Wrestling, they fought, and now they're meeting here. And Untaker of Mankind as well, he's got problems with him. And Untaker Rock, Untaker Bret Hart, you know, you throw everybody in here. And like I say, it's a foundation for the future, isn't it? These guys would go on to become huge stars as Untaker got Austin up. Oh, big choke slam to the rattlesnake. Vader's turn. Oh, fucking hell, manages to get a bit of retribution against the big guy. And Diesel and (laughs) Kane and Undertaker have it. Well, yes, these two big men going out in Flash Funk. Thought he'd get advantage over Dead Man then. He was mistaken. Flash, you could be in big trouble there. Use your super speed. <laughs> Terry Funk going after Vader. Use your lightsaber. Like, it's 10 men in there now, so it is quite a uh, uh, field of men. But Vader's got Flash Funk up now. Austin is the only man that Ooh. wasn't eliminated after the 20s. Flash Funk was just eliminated then with the overhead throw, the fall away slam by Vader. And that is incredible. Everybody here, Steve Austin, must be knackered at the moment. Well, you know, he was doing press-ups before. I reckon he's regretting that now. Yeah, exactly. So I bet he wishes time would slow down. Well, Godwin's gone after the Untaker. Terry Funk and Mankind seem to be attached. And poor the Rocky Marvilla. Yeah. Yeah, the rookie getting caught by Vader. You think about how many championships are in this ring at the moment. Apart from Godwin. Just throw him and Godwin out and then you've got quite a good... Uh, Got quite a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Brett trying to throw Austin out. But do you think Brett might get distracted? I mean, I know he wants to win the match, but Steve Austin being there, 
might put him off his game if he's just going to concentrate on him. Terry Funk getting taken out there by Vader. Oh, Levok, Levok helping out Austin. And oh, is he going to eliminate Brett? Well, it's been the biggest moment in this young man's life. Oh, no, but Vader managing to save the day for Brett. Well, Vader just punched three men then simultaneously. That's how big that man is. Now Terry Funk and Steve Austin in the corner. Some say under that mask is another fist. <laughs> well, <laughs> it may be. And Terry Funk's get worked on now by Steve Austin. We haven't seen elimination since Flash Funk. And oh. as I say that, no. Godwin nearly eliminated there by the dead man. Untaker thought he got him over, but, well, he didn't. Eh? Now Untaker and Vader, like we say, the problems from earlier, working out in this match. And things are quieting down. I mean, there's, what, eight people left? Yeah, they've all gone to their corners, haven't they? All the people there uh, take a little bit of time before we get a winner of this match. It will be one of these men. They will win the Rumble. And Mankind getting worked over by Kane. Godwin and Undertaker, Vader. unlikely pairings. Exactly, yeah. Vader and Brett over there. The Rock and Terry Funk. Steve Austin's taking a breath. Who's going next? Oh, Henry Godwin. <laughs> that answers my question. Yeah, Undertaker just picked it, grabbed him around the throat, threw him over the top. They go straight to the mankind. The hateful eight. <laughs> well, it's a hateful eight at the moment. And Steve Austin there still hanging on the ring post. Down on the apron, Undertaker going after Brett as well. Well, you say he's holding on by the ring post. Here's the ringmaster. <laughs> or was the ringmaster. Oh, master. Rocky Maivia there. Jumped off the top of Colton Mademal Claw. Oh, and he gets eliminated by his future tag team partner. <laughs> How many's left in there, Dan? There's seven. <laughs> it is the Magnificent Seven yeah. left. It is. a Terry Funk there went after Mankind. Got hung up in the ropes. Mankind working him over. <laughs> Terry Funk now bouncing... Off the ropes, Vader take a little breather, Untaker and Brett, Steve Austin and Fate Diesel, and Fate Diesel's lasted a while as well. Oh, and Funk and Mankind nearly both eliminated, but both holding on. Well, the Cactus clothesline, but Funk rolls back in. Oh, and they're having a suplex off, and Mankind, oh, eliminates Funk with a suplex to the outside. Well, the sensational six now, and Mankind hangs on to the apron. And yeah, Fake Diesel, Kane has uh, been in this match quite a long time. Very impressive working on Bret Hart in the corner. Untake a big boot to Mankind and eliminates Mankind's him. Mankind's out. Yeah, eliminates him. So now we've got five left. And Mankind and Funk continue fighting on the outside. <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything less from them, to be honest. <laughs> no, falling around. Vader is going after the Untaker now with the big punches. So we've got Undertaker, Vader, Kane, who's fake Diesel, Brett and Austin. Yeah, Austin going after fake Diesel. And the referee's having a problem with Mankind and Terry Funk at ringside, brawling around. Oh, and they've been distracted and Austin's been eliminated by Brett. Oh, Brett throws Steve Austin over the top and have that. And Austin in at number five, though, great performance. Oh, crawls back in. What? I don't think the referees noticed. They've been too distracted by Mankind. Well, we had two referees and... And Undertaker and Vader have been eliminated by Austin, who made his return. Well, Brett's phoned fake Diesel over the top now. And Austin's eliminated Brett and he's won. The referees didn't see it and awarded it to Steve Austin. And Brett, I can't <laughs> believe that. Bet Brett must be fuming. Well, that went from nothing happening to everything happening then and... Six eliminations in the space of like 30 seconds. Oh, Steve, Steve Austin has eliminated like nine people there. Came in, like I say, dumped Vader and Untaker out. And Bret Hart trying to tell the referee exactly what went down and what happened. Oh, referees don't believe him. Bret pushes one of the ref. He's got the other one now as well. And Austin just dropping his head and walking away as if to say, yeah, well, you know, I've been raised as a winner. 
Well, See you later. And that is 3.16. Yeah, I mean, Steve Austin wins his first Royal Rumble. But, I mean, what do you think of that ending? Do you think it was a bit screwy or...? <laughs> you know, I thought it was quite good, actually, the way it all worked out. You know, the referees were distracted by Mankind and Terry Funk. Now the legitimate feud. You obviously know the back and forth between them two. Uh, um, Brett eliminating Austin. Austin coming back in to eliminate Brett and Brett getting pissed off. I think, yeah, brilliant. Heats up a rivalry between the two of them. And, you know, a bit of drama to the Royal Rumble. Well, you see how annoyed Brett is going to Vincent Mann and, you know, basically grabbing his suit as well. But a shock, most definitely. I mean, Brett was the favourite going in. And Steve Austin, a young guy who'd only been around for a year or so, winning the Rumble by eliminating Brett. It's a huge moment for Steve Austin, isn't it, you know? Most definitely, yeah. And Austin had these throughout his career, you know, these these milestone moments, King of Ring 96, Royal Rumble 1997, calls WrestleMania 13 against Bret Hart, and we talk about this feud. But as a Royal Rumble, where's it ranked for you? Did you enjoy the Rumble? I thought it was quite good, actually. You know, the, I think to see the eventual superstars that performed in it, I think it was one of the most deepest cards you could ever imagine. I mean, you know, the last eight was all heavyweight champions yeah. of some sort or another. I think... Over half of the whole roster was is a heavy, future heavyweight champion of some sort, you know. So, just the strength of it going through is is just brilliant. Yeah, I think it's one a stronger rumble. You know, we've had some in the past that might have been great. I think this one quite flew along. I mean, there was a couple of slow moments, but apart from that, I think it's a really enjoyable way, a really enjoyable hour. You know, I wonder what will happen on Raw in the foreseeable future. For Bret Hart and Steve Austin, and Bret Hart's got a genuine gripe, hasn't he, about that with Steve Austin winning the Rumble. But it is main event time now, and it is Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid for the WF title. And let's take a look at the promo. Bad attitude. For Psycho Sid, it's second nature. For Shawn Michaels, bad attitude comes from being provoked. I am not intimidated by I'm going to do what I want. When I want, because I am the super predator at the World Wrestling Federation. It's going to take more than being a man to beat me. See the game I play. I am the master. At the Survivor Series, Sid's game was to attack Sean's 62-year-old mentor. Why did you do that for? Shawn Michaels acted on instinct, the honor of friendship over the glory of a title. Sid acted on a killer instinct. The psycho era had begun. I can be the champion again. This is something that cannot ever, ever be replaced. From Psycho Sid, no sympathy, no apology. The following day, the WWF made the official announcement. The 1997 Royal Rumble would be at the Alamo Dome in Shawn Michaels' hometown, San Antonio, Texas. March 31st was a great day for me, but one thing that would be more special than that would be to win the World Wrestling Federation Championship in the town that I live in. The young man who trained in a tin shack just outside San Antonio was returning home to fight in front of 70,000 friends, fans, and family. Sid, you're what I want next. In my hometown, myself and all the people of San Antonio will tear you apart. The day I was born, I was born the man. The verbal and physical assault escalated. I am six foot nine and over 300 pounds. There's going to be 71,000 chances to see me kick your 6'9", 300-pound teeth down your stinking throat. 
For Sid, nothing was sacred, not even Jose Lothario's 19-year-old son. I want to apologize for what I'm going to do. The monster has been unleashed, but is the monster Shawn Michaels or Psycho Sid? And it is now time for the main event. So, what did you think of the promo, Dan? Uh, yeah, it's a bit of an intense build-up, isn't it, really? It's a bit of a Shawn Michaels heavy, I want to get my own way type dealio. Yeah, most most definitely. You know, he's made this personal. We saw him uh, a few comments backstage as well, saying he's got the flu, doesn't look well, doesn't feel well, but he's going to put performance in front of 70,000 people, even though we got told it was 60,000 earlier tonight. But Shawn Michaels in his hometown... And like we say, going against Psycho Sid. <clears throat> and how did this how did this feud really start between Sid and Shawn Michaels, Dan? Well, it dated back to 1995. And when Michaels had hired Sid as a bodyguard, Sid interfered during the Michaels versus Diesel main event at WrestleMania 11 by distracting the referee. But the back plan backfired when the referee was unable to count the pinfall after Michaels superkicked Diesel. But on the following night's episode of Monday Night Raw... Michaels told Sid that he would not be needed in the case of Michaels versus Diesel rematch, and Sid responded by turning on Michaels and powerbombing him not once, not twice, but three times. Yeah, and we've seen the entrances now. We've seen Shawn Michaels come out, Jose Lothario in this corner. Uh, quite a nice response he's had there, isn't he, Shawn Michaels? Yeah, definitely. And Sid's on his way to the ring, but sorry, I do want to cut you off midstream, Dan, as you say. Uh, yeah, this attack led to a feud between Sid and Diesel, funnily enough. But Sid and Michaels were reunited as partners uh, for an elimination match at Survivor Series 95. And during the match, Michaels accidentally kicked Sid in the face, which led to Sid being eliminated. Sid retaliated by powerbombing Michaels again. Once again, the feud was not developed as Sid left the WWF. Yeah, well, Sid had a way of going with the companies. He's like time. They got fired by attacking Ireland with some scissors. Went back to the WF and Sid Justice thought he was going to have some success. Then went back to, you know, took some time off, went to WCW. Then came here back to the WF. And when did he return, Dan? Um, he returns to the WWF on July the 8th, 1996, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, when Michaels introduced him as a partner in a six-man match at In Your House 9. And Sid helped Michaels several times in the coming months by saving him from attacks by other wrestlers. At your house 11, Sid defeated Vader to win a WWF Heavyweight Championship match against Michaels at Survivor Series 96. During the match at Survivor Series, as we saw in the promo, Sid attacked Jose Lothario, who was Michaels' manager, with a television camera. While Michaels was distracted, Sid hit him with the camera and powerbombed him to win the title. And a rematch was later booked for the Royal Rumble, which you're watching tonight. Yeah, and like I say, a lot has gone into this the feud between two men. And we're going to have the payback now for Michaels, like I say, in his hometown, trying to get justice on Sid for not only the, uh, you know, losing the WF title, trying to get that back for what he's done to the whole Lefario family. He powerbombed um, Joe, the, the younger son, through a table on Monday Night Raw as well. Sid did. So, you know, they've not had the best of the Lefario family around here. But Sid is WF champion. We see his entrance. Get a few cheers as well as jeers, isn't he? Did you like Sid at this point in time? Or you... Um, I I wasn't really the biggest of fans of Sid, to be honest with you. I, I thought he was very stiff in his movements, and but yeah, you know, he was he was a big guy, and yeah, you know, he certainly had a personality. Did you think he so. got his success just because of how big he was? Because I don't think yeah. he should have been WF champion that many times. You know, it's, cra- it's no. crazy. Thing it is, yeah, it's. Uh, 
as far as people going and not really being worthy of the championship, I think Sid is up there with them. And he would continue the trend, you know, after leaving the WF at this point, resurface in WCW 1999 and be the uh, WCW champion there in 2000. So, you know what I mean? Sid would continue overachieving as it was. And like I say, very average wrestler, but going against someone like Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels is this time period as well. You know, he, he's the click is in its height, you know, it was in its heyday when uh, Razor and Diesel left and he's just had a ego of if you get hurt Shawn Michaels when Razor and Diesel left, you know, to the click and the how Michaels was treated really. Um <clears throat> I don't know, I, it didn't really hurt him too much. I mean, you know, to to go on to achieve what he became, I mean Yeah, but I mean at at this point in time in like seven I mean to have you know, the click as strong as it was, maybe for his ego to have a couple of friends leaving him. And then maybe that's why, you know, his backstage antics were so bad because, you know, it was just him and Brett, weren't it, the main men. He yeah. made himself indispensable to um, McMahon, you know, leading the new generation as it was. But, but again, you know, what evolved from this, you had the evolution of Austin, you had The Rock, you had, you know, even a Rikishi. Yeah. Uh, you know, Undertaker who had, even though we'd be in a slow period, I mean, you know, the ne- this year would pick up for him with the introduction of Kane. Yeah, most And, yeah. you know, it'll elevate his standings and that, so it'd take the pressure off him. And Michaels, you know, like Brett, he's been around since the 80s. Yeah. So, you know, I think 10 years into it, and Michaels is, you know, having a bit of a paddy. He's got Triple H by his side who he's going to go on to have amazing things with. Yeah, and the thing about Michaels as well, like you say, been in for since 1987, part of the Rockets tag team, and then coming to its own succession, only can title, Sherry Martell and, and everything like this, building up the right way, really, as you want as a wrestler. And now it would be a chance, because, you know, Heartbreak Kid's known as kind of like sexy boy and everything like this, could he be taken seriously? Do the fans just start booing him a little bit as well? Because he didn't have an attitude, and of course that's why he developed that kind of degenerative attitude. But early going in this match, I mean, Sean and my, uh, Sid had face-to-face. Sid pushed Michaels away, but Michaels kind of laughed at that, managed to get Sid to the outside, but now Sid's taken over in the ring, hasn't he? He has, yeah, and you know, power's overtaking Michael's quickness and athletic ability. I mean, you know, Michael's is just too small to contend with the likes of Sid Vicious. Yeah, I mean, this is real, you know, strength versus speed type thing. And, you know, Michael's wants to keep it as quick as possible. You see Sid now wearing him down. And, you know, like, you know, his match with Diesel, I mean, finds it hard to overcome the big guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael's, yeah, exactly. He hasn't had a great record against big guys in the WF. And now going to go against Sid. See, I mean, you already lost his title to him, isn't he, at Madison Square Garden, where Sid got most of the cheers in that match. Indeed, you know, Michaels is going off the rails and Sid's just pulling him apart. Well, we see a nice close-up of Jose Lafario's son watching on. Calls Shawn Michaels' family and friends at ringside as well. I can see his mum and dad from here, actually. I'll show you who they are. She looks like uh, Bret Hart's mum a little bit. See, bottom left-hand corner there. Yeah, with the glasses. Yeah, with the glasses on. Yeah, they tried that because he did it with Brett a lot, didn't they? With the Brett Hart family, yeah. and then with the Michaels thing, they thought, oh, but Michaels is just too arrogant. I think Michaels worked. I mean, he did do some good work as a face, but like you say, that cocky attitude when the the DX as well, you can't really beat that short Michaels, can you? No, nah, I think that was one of his best. What do you think of his whole heaven type revelation when he returned after his? I think for a guy to be able to to be out four years to miss the attitude era as he did, to then have such a great career afterwards where it was like two separate careers, wasn't it? You know, I don't, 
I think with Shawn Michaels, I couldn't believe after that absence time he came back and it was like he was never away, you know, and he added so much to it as well. Matches against the Undertaker, like you say, a feud with Triple H. Oh, and Sid goes for a big butt drop on uh, Michaels back as he was down on all fours, but Michaels managing to dodge it and getting a bit of momentum. Sid runs into the feet of Michaels, rocks him. He does. You see Sean with his, his tights he's got on as well, the, the Texas flag embedded in it as he gets Irish whipped into the turnbuckle and over the top rope there. Oh, and now that's just slowed his momentum right down. And as we see Michael's five or six moves there trying to get Sid off his feet, Sid only needs one, doesn't he? Yeah, and that one was just an Irish whip. And again, it is all Sid. I mean, this match has been a bit of a slow burner to start off with. Yeah, Ma- sorry, go on. And just Sid with, you know, his big powerhouse moves taking out Michael's, but Michael's is known to take a beating. He is fantastic at that. But Michael's thought he might add advantage in the early going, but like you say, Sid has got it on his side, just ramming Michael's into the ring post now. Back first, throws him in. But Sid doesn't want to get too cocky. And Sid working on his back, and like I say, he's not the best wrestler. But I mean, did you like the psycho Sid cats? Like I say, you did you like did you like his promos? No, not really. I, I just I don't know. It was just one of them ones that I instantly disliked. Yeah, then it's weird because you had to turn the volume up on the psycho Sid promo, didn't you? And then you had to block your ears on a couple of words because he just elevated his volume and went up and down. And yeah, he was just a really weird character, really weird persona. Uh, and with his tight knit. Yeah, I mean, you don't see many wrestlers with that type of hair, do you? You know, definitely not. No. <laughs> <clears throat> Michael's trying to fight back in it, but Sid, big clothesline, takes him down. And Sid, you know, you can just see what the match is going to be like. Michael's getting one or two moves in, and Sid just thwarting his attacks and taking him down. And I going for the pinfall, but after showboat into the crowd and only getting a two count. Ooh. And Sid can't take that long as Shawn Michaels. And like I say, Michaels can take a beating as well. And he is at the moment a bit anticlimactic, isn't it, really? You know, Michaels meant to come in riding on the uh, white horse as it was, taking out Sid. And at the moment, Sid yeah, stopped that. Michaels has got the flow, James. <laughs> he has. He's not, not 100%. But like I say, the Rumble's been great for Shawn Michaels the previous two years, winning it, of course. I mean, and now in a WF title match as well. You can't really ask more for a past three years for sure, Michael, can you? It's been, it's been good, isn't it? Definitely not now. I mean, flying high, shall we say. Do you think he's uh, on drugs at this point in time? Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny that he may or may not have been taking illegal substances at this moment in time. On Raw, they showed Shawn Michaels live at the Alamo Dome with fans at a bar. And he was there with a the crowd and looked quite annoyed anyway. And then they had, had interviewed him and he said, yeah, I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view. Went back about 20 minutes later, just show shot. He was at the bar. I'm not saying he was, you know, but he was just interested that he looked round at the camera and that was it really. He carried on drinking and doing what else. And you see, see Michael's parents looking on in uh, concern for their son. I mean, he's certainly taken a big beating from the big fella, Sid. He has and... Um, after the rumble that we've had as well, it's really slowed things down, isn't it? As the, the mother looks on and she's not, she, she's aghast, really, what's happening. But Sid is not called Psycho for no reason, is he, Dan? He's certainly not, no. And, you know, his other persona is Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid. I mean, you know, Sid Justice. Well, he's serving out a bear hug now on Michaels. Oh, and Michaels managing to reverse it into an inverted atomic drop, into an inverted atomic drop. And trying to get some separation between the two. Up to the second rope and delivering a 
big right hand to Sid. And Ken Michaels get momentum on his side, goes up second time, dives off and oh no. Gets caught by Psycho Sid and Sid in a bear hug now, trying to shake the life out of Michaels. Like a rag doll, Mike. Going down with Michaels now. And again, you know, Michael's doing four or five moves and one big move from Sid in this way. It's a big bear hug and Michael's is back down to his knees. Yeah, and considering it's in Michael's hometown, fans not really that into it yet, are they? They're taking their time warming to this match. They are indeed. Then again, we like to say, we just had the rumble. Sid go for the pin, but kick out. Uh-huh. Michael's managing to, oh, he couldn't avoid the leg drop. Sid, another pin. One, two. Oh, but a kick out from Michael's. <laughs> Oh, and now he's got him in the dreaded... He's got him in the dreaded... Uh, reverse chin lock. Reverse chin. <laughs> Can Michaels get back into it? Like, come on, Sean, fight out. Oh, and the crowd's starting to get behind Michaels, giving it a bit of momentum. And now some big right hands starting to rock Sid. Powered by Sean then, managing to slam Sid. <laughs> Sid Irish ripping Michaels into the ropes now. Ah, oh, reversal by Michaels and a big forearm and Michaels nipping up. Going up to the top, this is classic HBK. It is. Is he going to hit the big diving elbow? Bang. Oh, straight on the mark. And now what's it time for, Dan? He's going to tune up the band and get ready for some sweet chin music. And the fans starting to get behind him. But, oh, Sid managing to catch it. Spinning Sean round, trying to deliver the big right hand. Oh. Oh, but Sid tips Sean out to the outside. Well, Sid goes flying, uh, Sean goes flying to the outside. Elevation there, and Sid going to try to capitalise. Looked like Michaels had it then, but Sid knew what he was doing. He's oh, gonna... no, he's not going to powerbomb him on the outside. Well, it looks like that referee can't do anything about it at the moment. No, Sid, don't. Oh, jacks him up. Oh. And then Matt's must be about an inch thick, and it is concrete underneath them bad boys. And Sid has taken out Michaels. Now he's got Jose. Oh, and Hose B. <laughs> and now in big trouble. Pat Patterson trying to come out. or get kicked away by Sid. Oh, and he manages to release him because Sean Michaels was getting back to his feet. Well, fair play. Michaels just been powerbombed. Manages somehow recover. Oh, he's going to finish it. Michaels off in the ring. But Michaels managing to reverse it and deliver a big right hand. Going for an Irish whip, but reversed by Sid. And he gets thrown into the, manager, uh, into the ref. Oh, oh, Hebner's down now. And so is Michaels with a choke slam. Sid going for the pin. One, two. He's never been the smartest man. You just knock down the referee. Then you go for cover. Here comes another referee, though. Oh, but Michaels managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Sean's still in it, somehow. Oh, Hebner needs to get out of the ring. Come on, get out. Now Mark Keola's come out to officiate. And Sid, just the big right hand. You see the spit coming out of Michaels there. And Sid there, surely that should be a disqualification. Don't call me. That was a big right hand to the referee. And now Hebner there, he's still down and out in the ring. And you can see Shawn Michaels talking to Sid and saying, go after Jose, quick. What's what's Michaels doing? Jose distracting him. Sid's back's turned and, ah, smashes him over the back with a camera. Shawn Michaels grabbed the camera and payback's a bitch. That's what Sid did to win the title. Most definitely, yes. And can our time to count the three for Michaels? Well, he's got him down. Fario's trying to push the referee on. Can this be it? One. Two. Oh, but Sid managing to kick out. Oh, and I thought that was over and done with, but Sid showing heart himself to manage to get his shoulder up. Can he get to it? But Michael's tuning up the band. Oh, delivers sweet chin music. Sid's down. 
Michael's on top. One. Come on, boy. Two. And another one. Three. Shawn Michaels is the new WWF champion. He pins Sid after the super kick. And he has done it in his hometown. The boyhood dream has come true again for Shawn Michaels. How long have you been waiting to say that? <laughs> no, I haven't. I just thought of it. I mean, as a match, Dan, I'm not sure. But as a story, I think it definitely told one. And quite a good one, Dan. What are you thought? The story was a lot better than the match. I mean, you know, we all know what Stiff, Stiff Sid's capable of. But, you know, I think Shawn Michaels, even though he's probably really intoxicated during this match, managed to pull out a, quite a good match out of his arse. I mean, you know, taking a lot of beating uh, and coming back to win it. In the final second, perfect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, beaten down, like I say, most of the match as well. But in front of his hometown crowd, manages to use the camera, payback, sweet chin, WF title. Everybody goes home happy and not a bad way to end the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, is it really? Most definitely not now. I mean, you know, it has been quite uh, an enjoyable pay-per-view for its time. Yeah, it has. And I mean, what has uh, been your favourite... Well, I mean, what have you thought of this Rumble? What have been your favourite matches? You know, what have been your favourite match? Um... <coughs> I quite enjoyed the Rumble match, seeing, you know, all the new wrestlers coming into it, basically, you know, all the different wrestlers. All the matches really told quite a good, well, majority of the matches told quite a good story. Take a Vader match, I mean, you know, you can see the rivalry between them two, Undertaker losing. We had also Goldust Triple H that kicked off the show, didn't we, for the IC Yeah, title. that was quite an interesting match, you know. Yeah, I think they hit them out on the head with this one. Yeah, I mean, even the Ahmed Johnson fruit match is entertaining. I mean, the uh, Triple A six-man tag, yeah, but it's only 10 minutes, so that's all right. And like I said, I main event home happy. But yeah, so so yeah, that's it then. But any trivia, Dan, about the Royal Rumble 97? Due to the controversial situation over the Royal Rumble ending, Steve Austin, Bret Hart, The Undertaker and Vader were pitted against each other at In Your House 13. Final four in a, obviously, four corners match for the WWF Championship. As a result, Steve Austin was the first Royal Rumble winner to not receive a WWF championship at the following WrestleMania since the stipulation was introduced in 1993. Yeah, um, we should say the reason why it was for the WWF title is what happened to Shawn Michaels in the aftermath. We'll get on to that in a second, but more trivia, Dan? Um, Well, during his stay with the WWF, Scott Razor Ramon Hall has only completed the Royal Rumble pay-per-view in championship matches. Razor Ramon competed in the 1997 Rumble match however by that point he was being portrayed by rick bogner not scott hall <laughs> it's interesting so yeah we talk about the aftermath uh why was the wf title on the line in the fatal four-way match in february as opposed to sean michaels having it done um well sean michael sean michaels sean michaels later vacated the wwf world heavyweight championship on the thursday raw thursday night special on the raw thursday special where he gave his now infamous Lost My Smile promo, citing knee problems and his addiction to abdicate. Due to this and the controversial situation over the Royal Rumble ending, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Bret Hart, The Undertaker and Vader were pitted against each other at In Your House 13 Final Four in a four corners match for the WWF Heavyweight Championship, which saw Hart win the vacant WWF Heavyweight title the next night on Raw, Austin interfered in the WWF heavyweight title match between Hart and Sid, causing Hart to lose the title after only one day. Can I just... And also, at the pay-per-view itself, Steve Austin was scheduled to win the title and do the same thing, lose it to Sid oh. the next night. 
But the reason Austin didn't win the title that night is because he suffered a knee injury during the match. They weren't sure if it's serious or not. So he got eliminated early on and then Bret Hart got the title. But sorry. Uh, okay. Go yeah. on. And on the March 17th edition of Raw, Hart and Sid faced off in a steel cage match for the WWF World Heavyweight title. Sid won after interference by both Stone Cold and Undertaker. At wrestling, Undertaker defeated Sid for the WWF World Heavyweight title while Hart and Austin battled each other in a submission match with Ken Shamrock as the special referee. So what was originally planned to be Shawn Michaels v Brett had to be changed because Shawn Michaels lost his smile and, and you know, like we say, gave up the WWF title. So it's an egotistical thing, like I say, backstage thing with Shawn Michaels that happened there. But it did give us Bret Hart versus Austin, which was one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history as well. But it's an interesting time for the WWF, isn't it, like we said? Yeah, yeah. with the introduction of a lot of new wrestlers and not a new gimmicks you know up and coming a lot of change is going to be happening throughout the next few years you know it's it's going to be brilliant for the wrestling well no yeah it's been it's good for its time and the rumble going back and it still holds up today 20 years later and with steve austin the way he was as well very entertaining in the match and deserved to you know win it in the end and like i say, what happened afterwards as well it's crazy go on the network definitely watch rumble watch uh the the, the, the fatal four-way match at february and of course wrestlemania 13 as well the final four in your house. Don't forget, before we go, you can follow us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or at Vince McDan WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're also on Facebook, Dan. Facebook, you can come and find our page, the WWE Network Review. Come and find us, give us a like, share your thoughts, or you can add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. We're across all the Google platforms. We're Google Plus, the WWE Network Review. You can send us an email, WNRpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on YouTube as well. You can listen to us numerous ways. We're on SoundCloud. On your phone. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. You can download, subscribe, rate and review there. That is everything. We'll be back next week for another Royal Rumble. This was 20 years. Next week, 10, we'll be watching a Royal Rumble 2007. Dan, you looking forward to that? I am certainly looking forward to that. Seeing how wrestling has evolved over the next 10 years. It's going to be great. Exactly, it was on the way to the 2017 Royal Rumble as well, so we'll see exactly the evolution of the WWE. But until then, I have been James Rollins, and as always, I have been joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye.